Robin Williams wakes up Robert De Niro, Sean Connery creates the internet, and Bob's Burgers is ready to serve. This week on 30 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, celebrating the greatest anniversaries of pop culture from 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? That's how we do this show from this very week, which is January 8th through the 14th across three entire decades, 1991, 2001, and 2011. I'm going to get used to roll that rolling off the tongue, I swear to Christ. <laughs> welcome, everyone. Uh, sit back, open up three little portals, and we'll travel back in time to three decades, and odds are, through things that release... You'll figure out what you were doing, who you were dating, and uh, who you were disappointing. How about that? Oh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Santista. Who else is with me? Uh, I'm Diana Goodman, and I have one word for you. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sarah. And uh, I, this is a very exciting week for TV for me. One of my favorite things of the decade is out this week in a decade I rarely ever have kind things to say anything about. So I cannot wait to get there. TV is the in this decade in particular. We're going to start in um, January eighth through the fourteenth in nineteen ninety one. This I remember TV specifically scared the shit out of me, and <laughs> one of the reasons for that is we were trying to, like pinpoint when exactly the Persian Gulf War starts, and it does. It turns out it doesn't matter because CNN is experiencing some of its highest ratings ever. This being the first real conflict that is about to begin since the beginning of twenty four hour cable news and yeah. i re remember going back to school and being terrified because for the first time in my life as a, a 10 year old i'm seeing the news talk about america going to war and my context for war is vietnam and world war ii and mm -hmm. I, I am terrified there is another show that will premiere this week that also that is was the most terrifying show for me as a kid so it was <laughs> it was a lot of uh, watching television through crooked fingers for little Chrissy this weekend. Um, I can't say the same for some of our patrons. Because this episode is executive produced by Cody Smith and many other fine people at patreon.com slash lasertime. Please consider giving us five bucks and we'll give you a bunch of extra shows. Brand new episode of 30 2010 Games where we go way more in depth into the games, which we will have to do this year because there's so many great things that happened in 1991, um, including the launch of the Super Nintendo and Street Fighter 2. So... Uh, hit us. The Vigging of Apocalypse Boys will help us. Hopefully, Chris Baker. Patreon.com slash laser time. Let's get into the show as started as we always do in 1991. Moving right, right along past the minutiae of the Persian Gulf War, whatever we want to call it. Operation yeah, Desert well, Storm. Uh, we're still in Desert Shield for another week where Iraq has invaded Kuwait and everyone's gotten together and said, now you cut that out. And I can't. Or we're going to show you what we've been spending our trillions of dollars <laughs> yeah. on. Because. <laughs> You know, we don't seem to be getting into a shooting war with the Soviets anytime soon. And we spent a lot of money on cool shit. We did. And we want to show it off. This garage band wants to play. So we've been practicing for a long time. It's time for our first show. That <laughs> It was such an odd time to be alive. But not if you were a little kid paying only attention to movies. Home Alone 2 is still number one at the box office. Two weeks into January, so it doesn't need Christmas uh, to succeed. Because, oh, mm -hmm. love you, Macaulay. Uh, do this podcast, please. You've done every other one I've fucking listened to. Uh, <laughs> we, this is where we talk about the movies. It came out in 1991. A uh, bunch of semi-notable ones like Blue Desert with Courtney Cox and D.B. Sweeney. I don't yep. know it. 
Courtney Cox is a big city girl, and uh, I think she gets attacked and she moves out to the desert, and then she starts getting stalked by this guy. And it's a pretty low budget thriller, but mm-hmm. it actually, most of the reviews at the time are like, "Well, shit, this is this is not bad." Mm. Yeah. Movie set in the desert. Speaking of which, plugging Laser Time's best movies of 2020 this week. That might tie in somehow. Stuck in the desert. Um, <laughs> that was mm. the few movies a bunch of us agreed on. Anyway, uh, Hidden Agenda is also out this week. A Francis McDormand movie. I'm listening with Brian Cox and Brad Dourif. What the fuck? Never heard of it. I this. know. <laughs> I know. You think that sounds like a lot of fun until you find out it's made by Ken Loach, which means it's going to be super, super depressing and probably about Ireland. Oh no. Yep. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a. Uh, American journalist who gets killed and the IRA is involved and it's all about how Northern Ireland is is like, this is colonialism and fuck Thatcher and the British government, you know, they clutch some monocles about it because uh, Ken Loach has some very strong opinions about Northern Ireland, but it's one of the best reviewed movies we're going to be talking about. But I find Ken Loach, uh, I mean, I watched Wind That Shakes the Barley a year or two ago and like, yeah, yeah. he's an amazing filmmaker Mm. who makes movies that just depress the living crap out of you. (laughs) And then you never want to watch them again, except to tell people that was really good, comma, I don't want to watch that again. (laughs) The sad Irish stuff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. As opposed to the great Irish stuff. Um, Well, you know, there's like yeah there's two sides of irish sadness and some of it is really really sad and depressing and some of it is sad and enjoyable oh from your lips to god's ears sarah oh thank you (laughs) it's all sad it's just (laughs) different levels of sad um i Uh, don't the most banging irish parties are when someone dies i feel like that summarizes the irish experience real well precisely precisely and um, a movie I don't know anything about, Jean-Claude Van Damme's Lionheart. Um, oh. I reached out to a friend I happened to be talking to. I was like, Michael Grimm, tell me everything about Lionheart. And he just responded, see Bloodsport instead. And I I, I have to agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't watch it. I read the summary. And it's like, again, he's a guy in the French Foreign Legion. He's mm-hmm. always in the French Foreign Legion. And he comes to L.A. because his brother was murdered by drug dealers and so to raise money for the brother's family he it becomes part of a fight club this was the most po- okay popular uh popular occupation of 1991 because street fighter will be there too and people made their living like that kimbo slice is probably doing stuff in 1991 oh street fighting what a lucrative venture and this is the one i'm the most excited to talk about because oh, oh, me too. i didn't watch it but it it is a huge the huge pop culture milestone in that it it forms the basis of the reference for whatever this type of movie is. Alfred Molina and Sally Field in Not Without My Daughter. Let's go for two weeks with you and Martov and visit my family. In 1984, Betty Mamoudi's husband took her and her daughter to Iran to meet his family. This all changed. He swore they would be safe. I know it's a different culture. I just don't understand it. He swore they would be happy. He swore they'd be coming home soon. Sweetheart, you haven't packed anything. You want me to do it for you? No. He lied. I don't know how to say this to you. We're not going back. We're staying here. I want us to live in Iran. Wow. (laughs) Are you crazy? We're Americans. Your daughter's an American. Not without my daughter. I could watch this all day. This is the most... Oh, my God. Doc Ock is beating up Aunt May. By the way, Ooh. what what ethnicity can <laughs> can Alfred Molina not play? Uh, for... He's, he does it all. 
I'm straight from Iran. See, listen, <laughs> listen, lady. Oh, this movie made a big impression on me when I was very young, a big, scary impression. And to the point where I remember watching it with my parents, probably when I was too young to do that. And then I read the book, which is hmm. written by the woman. And because uh, this is a true story, right. and it's written by um, what's her name? Moody? Mahmoudi? Yeah, Betty Mahmoudi. Betty Mahmoudi. Uh, It's written by her about her escape, and (laughs) that the book traumatized me even more. And I read it in like sixth grade. I was like, holy fuck. Oh my God. And the worst part to me that I'll never forget is that she talks about in the book being in Iran and she has an IUD and she has no privacy. And she is being subjected to all this physical abuse and, 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 you know, assault. And she's like, if my husband's family find out I have an IUD, I'm in big trouble. And so she has to take it out herself. Mm. Oh, God. Mm. Like, throw it out the bathroom window? (laughs) Okay, so I know, but pretend the listeners don't. Where does the not without my daughter part come in? Is she allowed so, to leave? But like your daughter stays. See, this yeah. is Iran, and I say what's what what's what. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, she's married to uh, an Iranian citizen. They go visit Iran, and he decides, no, we should stay here. This is better. America sucks. Blech. And she's like, no, I'm leaving. I'm taking the kid. And you know, he abuses her. And the whole family is horrible. And she's got to like sneak around because obviously America doesn't have diplomatic relations with Iran. Mm-hmm. So she can't just like call an embassy and get out of there. Mm-hmm. And at one point, finally, he's like, you know what? You're so much trouble. Why don't you fuck off back to America? But I'm keeping our daughter here so she can be raised right. And she's like, not without my not, daughter, you not won't. my daughter. It feels like this is the basis for like the next generation of Lifetime movies, but maybe that just that's just the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The title that's... is really. On it, the it was it was it was used as a punchline in newspapers and t- and talk shows for the next decade. Yeah. Uh, yep. Not not without my Monica. Like just seriously, I I saw this forever. Not without yeah. my blank. Um, mm-hmm. That's the name of my company. <laughs> No, it's true. This is uh, not without my handbag.com. Check us out. That is true. I'm sorry. I I was thinking of bad baby names, but yeah. Yeah. Not without my handbag. And and I got that from a uh, Ardman short called Not Without My Handbag about a lady's, (laughs) this girl's aunt uh, gets like sent to hell and she comes back because she's not leaving without her handbag and she's a zombie now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't blame her. There's a lot of good stuff in there. True. Um, You're going to hell. Kleenex. You need mints. Pens, my chapstick. Yeah, yeah, I need it. All. My, my uh, my IUDs for the day. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I, 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 At least a hundred for yes. the month. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in a, that's I what keep, NASA says. I keep them exactly. in a Triscuit box in my handbag. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, there's parts of this that yeah is very like a lifetime movie because it's about escaping an abusive relationship. Only this. In this case, the abusive relationship is like with the entire country. Yeah, and it's it, the and, budget's way bigger. Yeah, and it is not very nice to Iranians. No. It really acts like they're all a bunch of monsters, except for like one or two who are sort of nice, but because they're sort of cultured and therefore a little more Western. And so that's how you can tell the good guys from the bad guys. And it's like, yeah, this movie's pretty racist. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. Yeah, um, looks like it. Not much fucking nuance. 
And so in that way, I kind of prefer watching, you know, someone trying to get away from, you know, uh, <laughs> save Tori Spelling from her abusive boyfriend kind yeah. of movie where you don't have that sort of undercurrent of like Islam is bad and it makes people bad. Yeah. Mm. He's just from Irvine. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to think easy. It's tough, though, because this is this lady's experience. I mean, yeah. so, you know, it. it's hard to, you don't want to diminish that at all. No, um, no, I, I'm not trying to, but if yeah. you watch the clips, it is like hella stage acting in 1970. When he threatens yeah. her, he puts a fist in front of his face. Listen here, I'm Persian. I'll die a Persian. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's very, very, very stagey. It's very mm-hmm. silly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, there's some good stuff in there. The idea of just like the bureaucracy of how do you get out of here? You know, she's not supposed to go off by herself because it's such a, you know, man centered culture. And how is she going to get her little girl out of then? How are they going to get out of the country? Where can they go? They're technically Iranian citizens because she's married to an Iranian guy. And like I said, there's she can like talk to some lady at the Swiss embassy, but like he won't let her use the phone. So there's all kinds of subterfuge about just being able to get to the freaking phone. And yeah, I mean, that thrillery type stuff is actually pretty interesting, but mm-hmm. oh, and it's so one dimensional, man. It's also hard too, because I remember watching as a little kid and thinking like, well, men are bad, but ladies are nice. And because, <laughs> you know, sounds like the you're... topic of a Phil Donahue show. <laughs> Men bad, ladies nice. (laughs) But, you know, seeing how other women upheld the abuse and and participated in it to an extent Mm -hmm. was also, like, really a scary thing to kind of see when you're, like, a little kid. You have a very simple view of the world, like, oh, shit, ladies not nice. Oh, no. (laughs) You're shaking my beliefs to their core. What are you saying? Ladies Ladies not not nice. Sometimes Sometimes women are mean to other women? I've never seen it. What does ladies mean? I've never seen it. That is... (laughs) <laughs> that is the kind of thing you say when you are a bitch like Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Come on, it's supposed to happen off night on our Patreon, thirty twenty ten after dark. Um, but, <laughs> uh, uh, I want to see. This looks hilarious, so I, I sort of want to see it. But I did it's not very melodramatic. Yes, yeah. and the co- the cover and poster for the movie are hilarious because it. Looks like somebody photoshopped like a little spider monkey in a bonnet to Sally Field. Because <laughs> um, the next movie I, I saw very young um, and I could not appreciate it. it. was I got too bored by it to get through it now. But it's not bad. I remember liking it as a little kid. Robert De Niro, Robin Williams, John Hurd, Julie Kavner, uh, Penelope Ann Mirren, Max von Sydow in Awakenings. He was asleep for 30 years. Your patients haven't moved in decades. These people are alive inside. Until a doctor with a dream Dr. Sayer, it's a miracle Opened his eyes Have you thought what you'd like to do today? Everything His mind He didn't wake a thing, he woke a person And his heart And what I feel is the freedom of life, the wonderment of life Robert De Niro, Robin Williams, Awakenings (laughs) Based on a true story Uh, And directed by Penny Marshall Yeah Yeah. Really on a roll here, goddamn Absolutely, yeah, she did big two years ago Mm Mm-hmm Oh, right Mm-hmm. And see, screenplay by Stephen Zalian, who's done freaking everything. He wrote fucking Schindler's List, for God's sake. Wow. And, and based on a book by Oliver Sacks, the um, mm-hmm. neurologist. So, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of hard to argue with. This was, I, like, this is a pretty sweet movie. It does get pretty sappy, but yep. it seems kind of forgotten. And I'm not sure why. Like, huh. it, it was pretty popular at the time. It got a ton of awards nominations for stuff, Great you know, reviews. and it's. 
you know, it, and it has sort of like the heartwarming, sad but heartwarming message that like sometimes you just need. You need a movie to tell you, hey, embrace life, dummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I remember growing up, I saw this and then my memory of it was always like this movie is code for like just despair, sadness, just like so sad sort of movie. And then I rewatched it this weekend and I was so pleasantly surprised by it. I mean, it is very sad and it's it's tragic and it ends kind of tragically, but it's such a sweet movie and, and a hopeful movie and also in, in many places. And the acting is so good. I mean, th- this mm. is Robin Williams really at his best, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, not I'm not saying this is his best role, but it's it's up there. I mean, he's like just he's not doing anything any shtick. He's nope. just being a really great actor. I really love Julie Kavner. Right. Like uh, that's that's so much. it's the like, first time I'd seen the voice of Marge. I maybe had seen a Woody Allen movie over the shoulder of my parents, but this is like her biggest role in anything I'd ever seen before or since. Uh, she's popped up and stuff, and every time I'm like, I love there's something about this lady that I love so much. Like I wish she was my aunt. I don't know. I just really love her. Yeah, she, she's, she plays she's, like such a sweet role in this movie. She's pulled away from the public eye almost completely, despite being in a yeah. ton of things from the 1970s until right about here being on the Simpsons, I think was so lucrative. She didn't have to do anything anymore and doesn't want to, I don't want to go to the trouble of being on film. This is a bad Julie Kavner impression because she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't talk exactly like Marge, but you can hear it. And- yeah. You totally can hear it. So uh, this is stories based, uh, another one based on a true story uh, mm-hmm. about patients who are catatonic because of an epidemic of encephalitis lethargica, which suddenly appeared and then suddenly went away. And now I'm deeply afraid of, (laughs) they think it might've had something to do with the Spanish flu might've triggered it because it starts around the same time, but it's a disease that um, just knocks you on your ass. You are just catatonic pretty much with some Parkinson's syndromes in there. And so uh, Robert De Niro plays a guy who, I got struck down by this as a kid and he's just, you know, they're in a home where they're, everyone's just catatonic and uh, they try an experimental drug on him called L-Dopa, which is used for Parkinson's now. And they, they wake up. It's mm-hmm. fucking insane. All these patients wake up and just like try to figure out like all this time has passed, like 40, 50 years has passed. Like he was a kid and now he's grown ass Robert De Niro and like his mom is there and she's so happy. And, you know, he like, kind of has a crush on a girl and he like tries to get his life back oh, and then we find out it's temporary it's it's temporary i still yep. find it when i was watching clips of it it's like uh i woke up it's 1969 i woke up after 30 years in a coma and things are mildly different the the <laughs> cars are bigger and yeah that building's still there but <laughs> we're still at war okay all right we still hate the russians it's <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's like time travel practically. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like there was a second world war. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Times, oh, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of room for. Well, jokes did we like win? That. Okay, yeah, we, we won. did okay. On, it was what close. What happened to that Hitler that I was hearing about? I think he's an Argentinian. And... <laughs> it turned out well. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 this is one of the many movies I remember being unattended when my best friend's aunt owned a video store and were given. Videos were so expensive, she would get screeners like, do you want to buy these? And we were unattended and previewing every movie to be released in video stores. And that's how I saw this. And I was never able to find it again. It's not one of those things they run on television. I don't think it... Is it, is it not super R-rated? No. No. But, no. Uh, yeah, very prestige 
I, I love that, like Sarah in the previous one, like Roger Ebert said, I saw it and I went and I tracked down the book just to see if, what the fuck, really? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> this, all, this all checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, it's, yeah. I, I don't know why it's just sort of been forgotten. I mean, mm-hmm. not even as a punchline of like, oh, the sappiest movie ever made or something. Or yes. it's just like, yeah, it's just sort of forgotten. And both De Niro and Robin Williams are just like bringing their A game, man. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. They're and I really good. I really love the little subgenre figuring out medical mysteries. That's always, mm. that's a subgenre I really, really like. Um, and this goes right in there, man. And uh, yes, I think in an in a odd week, this is probably one of our bigger recommends uh, of yeah. the week. Yeah. Uh, but uh, TV is, is interesting, more interesting for me. Uh, I don't know about you guys, because I said being scared by television. And there were few things that scared me more as a little kid than Dark Shadows. And I, I didn't really? know why, and I've tried to I've tried to track it down, and I I don't and I never saw the show. It was just promos, like in a much in a much older world where you had many independent stations just running reruns of stuff you liked. I remember we had a we had nine TV. They reached out to my claymation class over the summer, and we did their interstitials, like their bumpers, oh, and uh, and they would run one hour of Batman, Adam West, Burt Ward, nineteen sixty seven Batman, and then two episodes of Ninja Turtles. And it's like, like I don't know what I did to please you, but I th- I'll, I'll make more promos for you guys anytime. This channel rules. But in between then was, I guess, promos for the older Dark Shadows, which was a daytime soap, but is in like right. 60 frames a second in PAL resolution. And something mm. about the vampires and the crashing waves of the intro, like I would hide, I would cover my ears. I fucking hated it. It like <laughs> Dark Shadows scared the shit out of me. And... And, but it's it it resonated with a ton of people to the point Tim Burton remade it uh shit less than ten years ago more than ten yeah, years ago twelve okay. yes, I looked I actually looked into this because gosh back when I was in elementary school one summer it's one of my like fondest sweetest memories is one summer my mom and I rented they had all the dark shadows at our local library and we rented it on VHS and watched oh, it all summer long like wow well, that's like yeah. a thousand episodes right. Well, and it must not have been, I mean, if it was a daytime soap, it must not have been every single episode. It must have been some sort of like. Some highlight reel. <laughs> best of or something of every season. But we watched it a lot. And because my mom saw it when she was younger. And it's just one of my most fond memories of like that summer with her. Like, I love Dark Shadows. I loved the like <laughs> how soapy and campy and weird it is. And you know, I'm vampirical. I love all things vampire. Yeah, I, the I, the movie is one of the least bad Tim Burton remakes I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's, it's really I had bad. to confront my fears and I saw it, but it, it it was there was something so terrifying about it as it reran on television and it was you know stuck around in the hearts of the public for so long that twenty years I think it's twenty years to the year uh, it went yeah. I, I looked it up early I didn't write it down from se- it went till seventy one on as a Daily Soap and was resurrected for NBC as a weekly show with higher production yeah. values in 1991. And that seems like a good idea. Totally. Frankly. But yeah. Just, I, I would, yeah, I, I would mean, watch I mean, passion. The beast is, I would watch, the beast just left the air. Yeah. So yeah, I would, I would watch passions 2021, like just not every day, <laughs> like just give it to me once a week. Uh, let's, and I think, I don't know if the promo will tell you how they aired it. Ah! 
lost all that blood, where did it go? Whoever did this took it with him. A town terrorized by an unusual killer. Four victims. The only one who's still alive can't remember a thing. I've never seen anything like it before. This is only the beginning. Unusual mysteries call for unusual solutions. It just might work. Because in this town... I gotta get out of here. The sheriff wants to talk to you. They all have a stake in it. Oh! Dark Shadows, Sunday, January 13th. That's a real heart slapper. But they, they aired this, I think, as a four-hour miniseries. And then let it go. There's only 12 episodes of this air, and it seems like, yeah. well, that's sort of a shame. Dark Shadows seems like something that should work every other generation. And they, they brought in, I mean, a good cast. This time they got Ben Cross, Gene Simmons. JGL is 10. He's yeah. on this. Wow. Little, little baby Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Lizette Anthony. Like, yeah, they brought in real freaking actors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it was just the wrong place. And if they're saving it for mid season, odds are they didn't have a ton of faith in it. I didn't see, I didn't see it panned in reviews. But I also I should have gone further than just a Google glance into like fan sites. Who I'm sure they will rip this to shreds the same way I'll talk about the fucking '98 Godzilla movie. But uh, yeah, Dark Shadows, the 1991 Resurrection, which is the yeah. obvious title, premieres this they- week. We just keep trying to do Dark Shadows like every couple of years Let's, mm-hmm. until it sticks. I mean, we ca- we we do have what we do in the shadows now, yeah. which is so, mm-hmm. so excellent, so so good. It's been a real joy for me this year watching what we do in the I shadows. Think, I think so. it's fast. Vampires literally never die. Like it, it every yeah. couple of years, like it's not even like every ten years. It, it's not like it waits a generation to resurrect itself. It, it's like every six years, there's yeah. a vampire craze. It never stops. <laughs> well, I don't think it ever really goes away, yeah. honestly, because like I, I just didn't realize about this about myself until this year that I'm very into vampire stuff because like, <laughs> I mean, the vampire diaries kind of picked up like right when True Blood was like tapering off mm-hmm. and then Vampire mm-hmm. Diaries just ended like just a couple, maybe a year or two ago and it has spinoffs and now we have What We Do in the Shadows. People fucking love vampires. They're very sexual and they live forever. So what more could you want? It's a a great place to hide repressed sensuality. So I read. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I must, I crave you. I must lick you or I'll die. (laughs) That kind of thing. But I can still get this on the Disney channel. (laughs) Dark, but uh, in my world, I didn't even know. I forgot about this footnote in the history of Saturday Night Live, but this week, Saturday Night Live, hosted by Joe Montaigne and musical guest Rob Van... I mean, Vanilla Ice. Yeah, Vanilla Ice. Have we talked about the debut of To the Extreme yet? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sorry, oh, it's all it, blur. It's Ice Ice Baby, the, the first rap single to go number one. But the, the, the biggest thing is, is a sketch that is technically, shit, I think three years old, created during a writer's strike. Recast heavily, replacing Conan O'Brien and Bob Odenkirk with uh, Mike Myers and Joe Montaigne, and as, as well as Chris Farley. And that would be Bill Swarski's superfans with the <laughs> brother of the host you're thinking of, Joe Montaigne. <laughs> All right, we're talking here live from Ditka's on the heart of Chicago, the heart of Chicago, Illinois, the city of the big shoulders, and home, of course, to a certain football team, which has carved out a special place in the pantheon of professional football greats. <laughs> That team, which is known the world over as the Bears. I remember being in, like, before I ever saw SNL, being in, like, swim swimming lessons, and little kids would just, the Bears. This shit permeated <laughs> everything. Everybody loved it. And Joe Montaigne was the original person who did this before George Went was like, yeah, I'll do this literally anytime. I will come on the show anytime to do Bill Swarsky's super fans. 
I feel like it exists because of Mantania's Chicago accent. That's the why okay. it was it was created during a writer strike, and the SNL writers were just making a thing at Second City and uh, during their own Chicago. show in Chicago, and they never thought to pitch it to SNL until Joe Mantegna came on, and like and then Robert Smigel is, is like. Well, I should cast someone. I think Phil Hartman was in the role, but like uh, Jim Downey said, your accent is way better, and it is. So Robert Smigel, the behind-the-scenes guy, creator of Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, gets thrust into this reoccurring sketch. And it, for a, you know, a little kid obsessed with SNL with no internet, like, who the fuck is this guy? It was, <laughs> it was infuriating. I didn't know he was this uh, comedy writer god. Uh, I love this sketch. I think it's great. I never get tired of it. And I, I find it odd that like, all the people who replace them are either still alive or more famous than the people who replace them. Bob Odenkirk and Conan <laughs> O'Brien, if they could still be in this sketch, wouldn't you rather see that than George Wentz? <laughs> but uh, this, uh, do you remember a couple of years ago they resurrected a bunch of SNL characters for State Farm commercials? And this yeah. one was probably the saddest because both Mike Myers and Chris Farley said no for very different reasons. Um, <laughs> and only Robert Smigel and George Went could appear as Bill Swarski Stuper fans, guys who love anything about Chicago, especially Mike Ditka and Rats uh, and Bo- the Bears. I believe Bob Odenkirk said the key is just the hissing at the end of the Bears. Like keep it going, <laughs> Bears. It's- I mean, I think a big reason why it caught on is because it is so fun to say. The bears. <laughs> you know, like it's the combination of consonants and vowels that just like, it's just fun to say. It feels satisfying and, to say and the, bears. It starts, the bears. It starts now. And then like we will eventually get in like the Bulls dominance because the bears were like kind of right. not a great football team. But then the, the Bulls mm. ended up being like in a few years, the best 90s sports thing of all time and they were very easy to switch doubles and chris farley would choke on something throw up an entire ham it was always fun <laughs> um <laughs> i have to say i mean chicago is not a place i really think about but i tried sport peppers for the first time a couple weekends ah. ago and now i'm fully sold is, i had it on a vegetarian hot dog and holy crap was oh that, that oh it's a food i thought you were like sneaking in your own draft kings advertisement here <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> I gamble on sport peppers. All of my fantasy picks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which would be fine, Sarah. Please negotiate with the sports pepper or DraftKings people. Um, we need the attention. That shit is delicious. Chicago is. I've only been there once, but for like a extended period, it was one of the most fun times I've ever had. A very unique city, and I think mm-hmm. Robert Smigel was hesitant to bring it to SNL because, like, why would anybody get this? And but like, well, if you can get everyone doing this accent authentically, or in Chris Farley's case, loudly, um, <laughs> this will be funny. This will transfer over because I didn't know there was a Chicago accent at the time. All, ah. And anyway, anyway, yeah. That, and when has that ever stopped SNL from putting on someone with a funny voice? Anyway, only in New York, I mean, they will I do. Ask that about <laughs> the Bears and or about. The super fans and not about sprockets. I know. Like, yeah. Who's gonna get that? <laughs> I got it. That's not really like you know accessible to a lot of people. That shit made me happy as a little girl all the time. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mixed them. Anyway, uh, moving on. We will look way more to the games on patreon.com slash laser time in the show we do with uh, the Video Game Apocalypse Boys. Video Game Apocalypse every Friday. It's a lot of arcade stuff and weird NES and Genesis stuff that I have to sort of get together and 
corroborate because these dates are never concrete until we get in the mm-hmm. next dex- decade. But we have new music releases. Oh my god. Um Fly Me Courageous by Driving and Crying. Driving and Crying. Diana heard of Driving and Crying? A little bit. They play yeah, my they I... they play my hometown like three or four times a year, usually free concerts put on by the state. Oh. And it's like, yeah. who yeah. are these people? Uh, our friend's band is open for them several times. This is a great gig. I, I have never heard in my life anybody outside of Florida talk about them, and I also don't know what songs they do. But yeah, driving and crying, agreed. driving and crying. Well, I, I checked their Vivo page. It I exists. Mean, it's it has plenty of views. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I I listened to the title track "Fly Me Courageous," and there's like it's sort of like lightly new wave. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I was like, this is fine. Driving and crying. And a soul side journey by Dark Throne. Um, but we're going to close out with something to believe in by Poison. Uh, because I love power ballads. Yeah. Especially ones by hair metal bands talking about PTSD or Vietnam vets. Ooh. I, I knew this. Ah, the song came to me right when you said that. Yes. Uh, but we will close out with that. We were right back with uh, our second week of 2001. Stay right there. He cried for what I done there Cause I never meant the things I did And give me something to believe in But there's a lot of love I give me something to believe in Coming into 2001, January 8th to the 14th with Lenny Kravitz. Again, it is on the charts this week and probably destined to be in 16 car commercials because that's Lenny Kravitz, no center of commercial music. Yeah, I have to say, I'm a fan of Lenny Kravitz's scarfs choices and his offspring, but not really a fan of his musical stylings. I'm not going to lie. Me neither. Except for Are You Going to Go My Way. That song is wonderfully rocky. Yes. And, and, and it is my, he has my favorite accidental dick falling out in American oh, history. Uh, that shit that was, was amazing. Great. And it, I was going to say that, but I not want to be crass. No, no well, I mean, if if you ever need to find a reason to fall in love with him as a person, there's a video of him in New Orleans off Jackson Square, where he comes across uh, like a teenage church group playing I Want to Get Away. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my god, it's Lenny Kravitz! And he's like, they're like, you want to sing? And he's like, no. And he like takes over the drums and he's just happy with them for a while. Aww. It's so cute. Like, <laughs> I definitely look up that picture of him walking around in a giant scarf. <laughs> it just brings yep. me a lot of joy, honestly. Yep. And it's on the charts this week, but as far as new release go for music, January 8th to the 14th in 2001, we are in the next decade. There is nothing! Absolutely nothing. Die holds up a zero. zero. Yeah, and Independent Woman Part One by Destiny's Child is still number one. Still, Charlie, number one. how your angels get down like that? Fuck, mm-hmm. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of music, this is crazy because this does not feel that old to me. But this mm-hmm. this makes it almost officially half my lifetime. Apple introduces the iTunes Store tw- uh, twenty years ago today, and that's yep. I remember I remember saying without an Apple product, like, why would anybody use 
Why would anybody use this? I just bought a computer to steal all the music I wanted, and this is DRM to shit. Why would anybody? How fucking wrong I was. For, mm-hmm. um, this yep. would, this... Well, you don't know that they're working on iPods yet, but yeah. they are. Oh, that, was this announced before the iPod? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I, I should have looked that up. Like how much, how far in advance they had to know it was happening that we have a yeah, device. Yeah, they're working the on it. It's a couple of years now. I just, at a garage sale, I just found a third generation iPod mini. Mm-hmm. So it still has the click wheel. Oh, so um, satisfying. I bought it for $5. <laughs> it is my most prized possession. Like I was so happy to find it. And I bought it and it was actually an estate sale. So it had this, all this dead guys music on it. Oh, sweet. And I had to leave it in there for a while because it was obviously like his grandkids like loaded up for him. Cause it was all like old baby boomer music. You know, Aww. it was kind of cute, but then I finally erased it and filled it with podcasts. <laughs> oh, but you could just leave it as it is and pretend that you're a guardian of the galaxy. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's true. That's probably what Doug would have wanted, but I'm sorry, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> My I, iPod I, is now. I know we have, we have friends. Uh, I'll call out Dan Amrick. He 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 has continued to modify an old iPod with like larger hard drives and solid state hard drives. And there's a definitely a limit on it that makes it like not the ideal place to store all of your music, but it's a pretty if you like that interface, and I can see why people would. It was very satisfying, and I I, even, I say that not having yeah. had one, but I like I learned how to use one because everybody else did. And yeah. <laughs> but I feel like the iTunes Store is them being like, you want legal Napster? You can do legal Napster. Right. LimeWire's Lime buggy as fuck. You don't want that. Yeah. You want. Eagle stuff. Yeah, you don't want to get a music with a .exe at the end, like that <laughs> shit all no, over your hard drive. I can't trust it. Don't trust it at all. It's actually so, so yeah. smart. So I believe, I mean, I really feel like we were talking about this a couple of years ago when we talked about uh, Radiohead's OK Computer and I realized, like, that's the last album I listened to where I can consider it a complete work and I don't listen to individual songs. I listen to the whole album mm. start to finish because between Napster and iTunes, now music's a la carte. You can buy the whole thing. You just buy the right. one single that you liked. Right. It's true. And you listen to it in any fucking order. It's, yeah. Oh, I only have like a couple of albums that I have, that I listen to in order and everything else. Yeah, it's totally piecemeal. Yep. If, you were really. to look, if you were to look at my album list, it would just read Vince Garaldi because it's just the Great Pumpkin and Charlie <laughs> Brown Christmas soundtrack. As a whole, they must be enjoyed. Yeah. It just it takes like 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> I, like I grew up with tapes and and records, man. The idea I could hit shuffle and get my entire album collection at random. Yeah. All right. You went okay. We're doing a bit of Abbey Road, and now we're doing a bit of Springsteen, and now we're doing a bit of this. And I listen to old man music too. So duh. <laughs> um, now we get oh two Skinners in a row. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, um, I wish I could say the same about the movies here. There's one movie I I could recommend out of all this. Um, I know You're, I have. They're all fun in different ways. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, say the Last Dance moves up to number one of the box office um, after boo. how many weeks? Boo! We get a boo for that. Just you gotta one. To the previous ex- episode. Um, the Amati Girls is out with Cloris Leachman, uh, Cloris Leachman, Mercedes Rule, and Sean Young. Are they great can't, cast? They can't be all sisters, can they? Uh, no, I think we got mom and daughters. Ah, I see. But that it's makes about sense. like this Italian family and the wacky Italian women in the wacky Italian family, and mm. you know, it was kind of like a cute indie movie. Yeah, a couple of these we got to go through fast. And then also Double Take with Eddie Griffin and Orlando Jones, which made no money. Because mm-hmm. it sounds really oddly complicated, where it's like Orlando Jones is this accountant, and then like the mob is after him, and so he gets a fake ID, but the guy whose ID he stole is 
even worse than him. And now Eddie Griffin is involved somehow. And wow, no one liked it. Mm. No one. Sounds very 2001. <laughs> but yeah. um, man, look at this cast. This movie has to be good. Fuck! I think I'll even I'll throw in one I remember being in the movie. Uh, Jonathan Katz. Clark Gregg, Patty Lapone, uh, Charles Durning, David Paymer, Rebecca Pigeon, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Julia Stiles, Alec Baldwin, Sarah Jessica Parker, and William H. Macy State in Maine. Is it a mammoth joint? Mm-hmm. I have my original Warner Brothers Snapcase DVD for this. I totally bought it and watched it several times, and I don't know why. Because uh, it's fun. It's I remember cute. it being fun, and then I can't fucking find it now to, mm. to stream it again. Yeah. Oh, really? I watched it the other day. Oh. It was not free, though. Oh. Yeah, um, uh, and uh, but it's hmm. about there. It, it's about uh, a film production going to a small town to make a movie about cute small towns, and then of course they ruin everything, and because they're all jerks. Mm-hmm. That about summarize it. Yeah, Hollywood yeah. Stroke Story. Um, and and then a movie I didn't like at all. Tim Robbins, Claire Filani, Rachel Lee Cook, and Ryan Phillippe in Antitrust. Oh, but it is the most two thousand one thing <laughs> really ever. Is. It really is. What if someone offered you your dream job? What would you do with a billion dollars? What if it cost you everything? Daddy's been killed. They killed my best friend. Critics are blown away. Antitrust is an action-packed thriller that will have you on the edge of your seat. No escaping. Suspenseful and entertaining. You can't get away from people like this. I'm living with someone that they pay to sleep with me. It's a cutting-edge, nail-biting thrill ride. This isn't a game. Antitrust. Rated PG-13. It is the beginning of mainstream distrust for Silicon Valley, and I just love that both all of our panelists shook their heads during every critic. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, let me tell people. you, it's entertaining. It's, it's like, <laughs> that's really vague. It is dead with faint praise for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this was so dumb, yeah. but so two thousand one. Like, I guess you can almost say, oh, it's ahead of its time with its fear of tech companies and surveillance states. Mm-hmm. But really, it's like, what if Bill Gates tried to kill you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really stupid. But, you, mean, you, mean, you mean 20 years early? I've... Yeah, but not, not part of the worldwide conspiracy with the deep state. I mean, like, Bill Gates personally tried yes. to kill you. <laughs> like, he's just a jerk. Did, did, you, did, you, did you see just today the schematic for the conspiracy that the COVID vaccine is trying to implant Bill Gates, Microsoft stuff in you? They released the plan for it and... Thank God, nerd spoke up. Um, that's a uh, that's the Thunderbolt guitar pedal um, mod, <laughs> L- like that. <laughs> so that's a, so like just so you know that people who make these cons- conspiracies are doing so in bad faith. They are so lazy. They just stole like a mod for a guitar pedal, and you would mm. you would know the difference. Most of us <gasps> would know the difference. Are they putting transistors in me? Yeah, I want to buy a Microsoft oh, no. Surface all of a sudden. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Whenever I talk, I go wah, 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 wah. Yeah, I think if, if, if I'm resistant to the deadliest disease and pandemic of our lifetime, the least I can do is buy a surface. Like, I, I, I'm i I'm totally in. I'll buy some Game Pass. Anyway. Um, yeah. so this is definitely, I think it's free on at least Netflix, if not also Tubi. Um, it is a great folding laundry movie, like, because there are some truly ridiculous scenes in it. And, you know, it's like a conspiracy movie. So, like... Ryan Felipe is like figuring out like, oh, they've been watching me the whole time. But every time he realizes something, they do that like Hitchcock shot where they're zooming in and zooming out at the same time. It like Mm -hmm. really oversell his big realizations every single time. And it's like, wow, wow. And his like head (laughs) reeling. And it's just like, okay, 
Like you could just say like, oh, I didn't realize. I just figured it out. You don't have to like make a whole thing out of it. I had no idea. I'm Ryan Phillippe. I have the weirdest accent in Hollywood. Um, oh, and, <laughs> uh, and the next movie I saw in the physical media days, uh, Sarah, I think your husband and I would sort of like tour this around to people's houses. Like, oh, uh, it I is, am so not surprised by that. It, it is like, to me, it's like, if a podcast could feel like an action movie, that's what this was. Like, there's huh. no action in it, but it's like how real people avoid war every day. And and this is where I learned about the Cuban Missile Crisis. For re- I am not joking. They did not cover this in any history class I ever took. Um, Man, your I, history classes suck. Well, I was a bad student, so I could be. Don't don't yeah. take my word for it. But and it's Florida. Florida, I feel like you'd care more because you guys would get nuked first if there were missiles in Cuba. No, I just saw Matinee. I know how important it was to us. Uh, (laughs) uh, Kevin Conway, Dylan Baker, Stephen Colt, Bruce Greenwood, and Kevin Costner. Oh, there's so many Boston accents. Uh, 13 days. What is it? The Soviets are putting missiles into Cuba. This January, you will know how it feels. It's clear we cannot permit nuclear missiles in Cuba. To hold the fate of the world. They can hit every place in the country. In your hand. This is a setup. They want a war, and they're arranging things to get one. Stop that firing! You're in a pretty bad fix, Mr. President. Maybe you haven't noticed you're already with me. 13 days rated PG-13 now in select theaters. Yeah, the trailer makes it look oh. much more like bombastic than it should be than it is. Oh, <laughs> did you recognize our special guest star? Who's the that? music from Come See the Paradise. Oh, shit, really? <laughs> we just talked oh, about how that was used in every trailer. Ten years later? Holy shit. Yeah. By the well, way, we're playing this off of YouTube. Um, if you want to find out more, American online keyword, 13 days. Space in between the days. Space. 13 days. I miss keywords. Um, 13 days. I thought this is fascinating. Uh, I mean, nepotism aside, like how smart people <laughs> it, uh, avoid conflict um, for a greater yeah. purpose. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, this movie was a commercial failure, mm-hmm. but it did really well with critics. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why people didn't like it, because it, it is a total dad movie. Yep. It is such a dad movie. But yeah, it's a movie with like a lot of talking and thinking but it's it plays it it never really slows down or gets boring i mean it's played no. it, it's directed by roger donaldson who did dante's peak and also no way out with kevin costner wow a really good thriller with kevin costner i talked about that a couple of years ago i cannot recommend no way out enough i love that movie but this one is just like yeah i mean oh shit the soviets are about to put missiles in cuba right next to us what do we do to not get everyone killed right and they, I mean, attack it from all kinds of different viewpoints. They're trying to figure out, well, if we do this and they'll do this. And if we do this, we say, you know, chess matchy type stuff. And, you know, with um, Bruce Greenwood as, Ken, as uh, John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. Not, not overdoing it. I feel like he underdoes. Oh, but Kevin Costner, the, the baby. Kennedy, <laughs> the Kennedy ticks, but. Not yeah. Costner. Not Costner. They are overdone and wonderful. And, and yeah. But like that's it's, it's, I like stories like this. This isn't the thing that led us into the biggest thing of our generation. This helped us avoid one of the most cataclysmic events that could have happened. Uh, yeah. Like, all the cards were in favor of us going to nuclear war with Russia. And how you stop, prevent something like that. Uh, it will show you maybe what uh, real leaders are supposed to do. Instead of antagonizing people publicly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. No, nothing. It's almost I'm- over. It's almost over. I'm sorry. Are are you saying that we should have 
diplomacy, diplomacy sometimes? I don't know. Rationality. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes like maybe we should talk instead of not. Yeah. Instead so, of mock. Yeah. So if you want to mock them, do it in a private meeting. Maybe not on Twitter or in the public media, and not yeah. exacerbate things to where everyone gets scared. Which it's fascinating to watch. It's it's the most action heavy movie with no action I've ever seen. There, it's, yeah. it's just a series of conversations that that bring us back from the brink of annihilation. And yep. it's it's neat. Thirteen days. It's my recommend this week uh, as far as movies yeah. go. And I mean, the interesting thing, though, is there's there's another book called 13 Days, which is by Robert F. Kennedy. But this borrows more from another book called The Kennedy Tapes, where they mm. were listening to the actual taped conversations because oh, wow, right. the, the Oval Office has a tape system in it. Someone should have told Nixon. And <laughs> so, like, they're hearing the actual conversations and turning it into, like, you know, making it a little bit more contained and speeding things up and, and combining a couple characters. But Adding some drama. <laughs> yeah, but you don't really have to add much drama. You right. pretty much just simplify it and let it play out. It's yeah, I know. I don't know why. I don't know why no one really cared about Thirteen Days. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, if you it, again, the public school system did a piss poor job of teaching me history, and this is a really good, like ninety minute. Like here's how, not how close we were, but like how you lose a Cold War. We were about to lose the Cold War, whether we were. All going to be annihilated or not, it just made that one step closer. And how it was avoided with fucking like raw, angsty diplomacy. It's neat. 13 days, I really recommend it. Uh, and yeah. now for the, <laughs> the highest, was this, this might have been the highest grossing movie released this week. I'll call it Gus Van Sant's worst movie. <laughs> well, uh, I've never seen Jerry, I've heard is unwatchable. With a G? Yeah. Um, yeah. He, well, I mean, at least he experiments with stuff. This is like Hollywood fluff, which I, yeah, yeah I did. Well, I would still watch this a thousand times before I would ever see Elephant again. So. I, Elephant oh. is interesting. It, I, I, I will yeah. not watch that. I know what you're saying, but like there was something to that that was very important at the time, and I'm glad he made that. This is just silly. <laughs> this is just silly, and parts of it are remaking his last big hit. Yeah. Which was uh, blah, blah, blah. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill, Goodwill oh. Hunting, yeah. Yes, that's true. I don't know. I just I watched this a little bit before we started recording. Actually, I was watching it. I didn't finish it. I did not finish the ending. It was not as bad as I thought it was going to be, to be honest. It, the, there the, were parts of it that were definitely played more subtle than I thought well, there, it was going to be. So there's a thing yet again. There but. was a thing that occurred in, not only in the trailer, but the TV spot that definitely led the conversation in oh. Finding Forrester. People who know are already like, yes. Uh, Anna yeah. Paquin, F. Murray Abraham, Rob Brown, Sean Connery, and Finding Forster. Are you challenging me, Mr. Wallace? It is a melancholy truth. You will hear the pippling. Come on, Professor. Come yeah. on. God, he's such a good kid. They always let you get so far before they take everything away from you. This holiday season, a kid with a gift will find the one person who can give him a chance. Perhaps you'll find a way to amaze even me. From the director of Goodwill Hunting. You're the man now, dog. Finding Forrester. <laughs> Rated PG-13, December 19th. <laughs> I am di- Punch I am- the keys for God's sake. I am dizzy. I am dizzy. Every time I, when I saw that in 2001, we all lost our fucking minds hearing Sean Connery, James Bond yell, you're the man now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it still makes me laugh so much. We all had computers. We were doing our best to like, how do I isolate sound or record, <laughs> record video from a quick time trailer? And none of us could really figure it out. Sorry, that's leading us to something else. But what is Finding Forrester about? Uh, Finding Forrester is about Sean Connery plays 
uh, a reclusive author who had one big hit. So it is definitely not getting into Catcher in the Rye territory. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rob Brown is a gifted black student who's at the fan this fancy school uh, and is like, wants to become a writer, but everyone at the fancy school is like, you should play basketball and <laughs> you're not living up to your potential. Oh. And, it, but then like he, he kind of forms this relationship with reclusive Sean Connery and like grows as a person. It's and not your fault. Sean <laughs> stop. Yeah. And uh -huh. helps Sean Connery stop being uh, a hermit, you know, by telling him it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of retreading of goodwill hunting themes in here, man. Tell him mm -hmm. I've got to go. She about a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah fuck this movie fuck this movie not recommended but it gave me i i remember when i first met my buddy seth killian he called this the the white beating heart of the internet it created one of the best things that ever happened is can i click on the first link time oh sure i was tricked i was uh this you're the dog man now. You're the dog man. <laughs> the, you're, when I discovered it was literally youarethemannowdog.com, Y-T-M-N-D, yep. it helped create memes on the internet. People who did not have the tools or the training to make small jokes on the internet. This is the best thing this movie gave us. And, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny that Y-T-M-N-D went offline Last Recently. year, and because because guy was like, "Look, it's been around for like years since. Yeah, like, it, I got to keep up the hosting." And there was this avalanche of support yeah. for this dumb fucking website that it is back. It, everything <laughs> is archived. I spent about an hour going through it because it became its own video meme format. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, in like quick and, time, and it was it, it was yeah. incredible. It's I discovered so many things through it. The Captain Jean Luc Picard uh, yeah. remix <laughs> That's song. The one that oh. It's my favorite. Before yeah. there was a YouTube, there, this is how people were sharing the, like this this unbridled creativity all over the internet. Yeah. Well, mm. but it's like I, I I was trying to figure out how do I put it. And it's sort of like it was like wholesome video 4chan. Yeah. Where it's like it's everyone's there. People are making memes and then they're building off of other memes and they're making versions of other memes. And it's like it becomes this like inception meme within a meme within a meme within a joke within a reference. But we're much more like good natured and wholesome than what you find in so much the rest of the internet or yeah. yeah where it's just you're the dog man now and it's a picture of anubis it just says anubis for the win <laughs> that's it that's the whole joke <laughs> but yeah giving giving people the tools to express something funny it, it, like it, i don't know i feel like that changed the entire nature of comedy it's like why we don't we don't see as many comedy movies because there's things on the internet that make me laugh that total amateurs create <laughs> from nothing or referencing something i already know it, it created like memes were not a term we were even using at this point but mm -hmm. ytmd yeah, i think around i mean it, it was, was in the science community yeah. in the yeah <laughs> And, but like, it, but it's it. YTMND was so important for that, and it literally started from isolating "You're the Man Now" dog from the. I think it was from the trailer too, because the music was still right. in it. And <laughs> yeah, and just a picture of Sean Connery yes. pointing with like shitty old, like the shitty text with jagged edges on it. It's I like, had it, yeah, with it's a, so lo-fi with like with like artifact Superman Donner font, and like, I I, I click. <laughs> I had it bookmarked and clicked on it once a month. And this is the this is the again this is the best we can say about the movie. It gave us this and 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 uh, white uh, you're the man now, dog. Yeah, one guy has been like maintaining this for twenty years and just said yeah. like, 
hey, look, I'm tired. <laughs> and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay anybody to maintain this because it doesn't do anything. And I'm just gonna and then there was an outpouring of support and people kept it up because it is it, it does explain a very early era of creativity. And YouTube's not around for like four years. So yeah, yeah there's not this was a very early form of creativity on the internet. And I can't celebrate it enough. This is back when I really loved the internet, by the way. It could yeah, do no I wrong. Mean, you, you, I think you can draw a straight line from this to TikTok. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, before that, surely before that vine, but I mean, there's so many fun TikTok personalities out there, which I was just thinking about that the other day. There's um, someone I follow on Instagram who every Thursday puts up like a collection of just the funniest TikToks that she finds. And I'm just so happy that so many creators can now we get to see how funny they are and Mm -hmm. they would never have like any, they would just be funny for their friends. Like, yeah, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. I started a podcast 14 years ago because I just really wanted to make people laugh. And I really had the ego to think I was funny enough to do that. That was weird. (laughs) I know (laughs) 10,000 hours or what is it? 100,000 hours. My glad we had to modify that for me exclusively. I'll get, I'll get good. Some of us aren't funny when you put a camera on us, but we're funny when we take the night at the Roxbury boys, we put them in a VW bug and then we get uh, at at legs on the VW bug and we remix uh, <laughs> what is love with the empire theme. Uh, yeah. For, and we have that loop for about three seconds Beautiful. and that's our thing. Beautiful. That's <laughs> great that I, you're putting beauty and joy into the world. And I support it. My girl is showing me, showing me TikTok, And I was just like, a couple months ago, I'm like, I cannot believe how easy this app has made things that used to be hard. And YTMND was the first thing to make that easy or a little easier. Yeah. A place yeah. to just make a four second joke. Um, because I only know the hard ways to do things, and TikTok is the easy way. Uh, really, you can bring in every channel. I was isolating another channel from something I made from my iPad and like, ah, oh, no, no, TikTok can just bring in the music that you want. Like, yep. And, <sighs> and yet, there are people showing like real talent on YTMNDs. I threw in one more at the acapella YTMND. Yeah. Which it's like, there's real talent. I remember seeing YTMND when there was no triangular homepage. Like it was just the Sean Connery thing. Um, yeah. You're the man now, yeah. dog. Mm-hmm. Um, it still makes me happy. And Finding Forrester is that's the only thing good to come out of Finding Forrester for real. It's a yeah. January movie. It's just meh, just meh, meh, meh. meh. Um, and uh, moving into television, 2001, the January 8th to the 14th, a channel I have still to this day never watched. Uh, National Geographic Channel launches this week in some capacity, which my, my dad still to this day, um, in his living room has a very large collection of National Ge- Geographic magazines. Boring yellow spines as far as the eye can Just see. So when, <laughs> when we didn't have cable, like this is something me and my sister really looked forward to. You never knew when National Geographic was going to come up with a special. And like Hallmark has had its own channel forever because they created so many important specials for regular television. They were able to monetize their archive in the form of an entire channel. And here we have National Geographic. And, I had the National Geographic channel on Sling last I looked, and I just always got a kick out of it. And it's just like the clan exposed and, and like digging for diamonds. And like, this is not, <laughs> this is not what I thought National Geographic was doing. And they had to create a sub channel, National Geographic Wild, which is wildlife, which is what National Geographic 
the TV show was for a long time. Um, but yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm looking at like the list of TV shows on National Geographic, Nat Geo, I guess. And it's a real mix, I think, of like middle brow and low brow. It's <laughs> not, it's not quite ancient brow. aliens yet, but it's getting right. There. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they've got like the story of God with Morgan Freeman, the story of us with Morgan Freeman. And mm. then they also have Dino Autopsy and <laughs> American Gypsies. They busted and... open that Stegosaurus's rib cage with such a crack of lack. You would have thought that <laughs> God split the night with thunder. And <laughs> <laughs> Are you tougher than a Boy Scout? <laughs> <laughs> but then they also have like i saw one that was like you know the cosmos basically like mm. another carl sagan sort of like cosmos show so <laughs> seth mcfarland's cosmos beautiful yeah and, and now it's all on disney plus of through a billion acquisitions disney owns national geographics i, I don't know if it, the whole brand but at least the video content as mm. far as i know again we didn't look into that okay. and i have one question and is there jacques cousteau because Ooh. the childrens of today do not get to watch Jacques Cousteau movies, and they are missing out. I, 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 were, Diana, they were, were cool and hilarious. Were they, were they movies? Some of them were actually movies. Okay, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. And a lot of them were just natural National Geographic specials, and you see them on like Sunday afternoon. And there's just something, <laughs> there's just something fun, especially as he got older. Mm-hmm. And there are those, you know, it's the undersea world, and they're oh, just Jacques talking Cousteau. about like sharks or whatever. But it is just the guy with the really thick French accent. Yes. And he was talking about the beautiful world under. And as he got older, he would send his son to do dangerous shit, and mm-hmm. he would just be on the boat. And there would uh, just be shots of him on the boat looking happy while his son is about to get mauled by a shark. My wife says <laughs> I should feel guilty about this disease, but I do not. Uh, and, and if you wondered why Tom Kinney narrates transitions in SpongeBob with a French of four weeks later, that's a Jacques Cousteau reference. That's a Jacques Cousteau, baby. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we brought that up. Th- this, I think, is interesting because uh, I was talking to you guys offline about what I want from the Muppets. And uh, a campaign started to have the Muppets make the great Gatsby because... <laughs> As of this year, it finally falls the public domain. It yes. feels odd to be this old, but 20 years ago it was not, and Boz Lerman had not made his version yet, so bring in Paul Rudd, Mira Servino, and Toby Stevens for a television movie of The Great Gatsby. Yep. I tried to find a promo of it, and I didn't. I did watch some of the beginning of it, because it's on YouTube, and <laughs> Paul Rudd is Nick Carraway. And he just sounds so sarcastic the whole time. <laughs> like, I could not take it seriously at all. Like, it truly felt like it, I was watching the beginning of an SNL sketch or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just Paul Rudd. Like, it, I just, does he, I don't buy it. Does he hold up a drink to camera? Can I meme it? Oh, man. Oh, no, I wish. And, uh, uh, Jesus, some, I feel very old now. Something I don't get at all debuts 20 years ago this week. Get this opening. Lizzie, 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 Lizzie. Do you believe? Lizzie McGuire. I, do, I don't. I, oh my gosh, he looks so young. I feel disgusting. Oh, so um, yeah. These kids are like, I remember watching the, the little bit of this, but mm-hmm. I was kind of too old for it um, by the time it came out. But they look like such babies to me. It's, right. it's 
pretty wild. And I guess she's in middle school. Um, it, she is in middle school in the show. It only went for two seasons. Right. You got um, a movie, though. It really had a lasting, lasting impact on a lot of kids around this time watching this on Disney Channel. Really a lasting impact. And it was, by all accounts, a really great kid show. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. fun sweet just a kind of unusual quirky girl just trying to get through middle school with her little brother and you know her friends and her nice parents and yeah and if we if if if, if somebody has to say it groundbreaking towards what disney original programming would eventually become their original programming was like very preschool focused or archive focused like we'll show you davy crockett and some old donald duck cartoons (laughs) and then there would be like welcome to Pooh corner and like this barely constitutes entertainment. Like, but this is the original programming geared towards young people. And I think a few years from now, they will unseat Nickelodeon as the highest rated channel for kids uh, for the first time ever. Cause I was an adult watching the Disney channel. Like whatever, why don't you show escape to wish mountain anymore? Like, this is why, <laughs> this is why. Um, and uh, a show I also don't know anything about. We did not have it uh, in my town, but I remember he- hearing like in the towns that had it, it would beat Home Improvement, be in that because those towns usually had a larger black population, and where black mm. people were, they were way more watching the Jamie Foxx show. And it ends this week. It was uh, again. It just feels weird, like. A free over-the-air network show that my territory was denied. I I couldn't watch it, and I couldn't have been a big bigger and living color fan. I had a Wanda Shawanda folder um, of Jamie Foxx character, so like I, I'm, it's bizarre to have a whole show that exists that I don't know anything about and have never seen. Jamie wow. Foxx. Yeah, you want you want to hear this coming super full circle to right fucking now? Yeah, it stars Jamie Foxx as an aspiring musician. Oh shit. That's got soul, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but he like he works in his family's hotel, and and it's just it's a family comedy. It's fine. It's one of those where it's like I saw one or two episodes, and it's like it's fine. Yeah. I saw more of Grounded for Life, despite it not being something I liked, but it was at least on Fox, which I got. Uh, also, another five season. Week? Another five. With, uh, Donald Luke. And uh, I, Kevin I support Corgan? anything he does to pay the bills yeah. because mm-hmm. he's I really likable. Like- yeah, I was surprised to see how long it was on the air. And it kind of sounds right up my alley, honestly. I, I wouldn't mind checking it out. I mean, it's about an Irish Catholic family and just trying to get along. And they have a ton of crazy guest stars that mm-hmm. show up on it. I mean, so I guess he was maybe calling in favors from friends or whatever. But yeah, it sounds really cute. Yeah, if you, if you have an antenna, this plays every, like multiple times a day over uh, here yeah. to this day. Okay. It's one of those things like the Drew Carey show. Like if you're, you're just if you are a cord cutter, you wouldn't know. People are watching this every day still uh, <laughs> grounded for life. And then uh, Temptation Temptation Island also debuts. Like, is that on the same network? Um, I believe yes. so. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was confused yeah. by this because I thought this was a current TV show. And it is. They just rebooted it. Yep. So yep. but yeah, I did not realize that it, there's an iteration that started in 2001 that i mean look i watched some real garbage and especially garbage (laughs) with people trying to have sex with each other and i've never seen this but i am tempted i'm not gonna lie oh you're tempted by temptation island i am i am it sounds very alluring but apparently it's basically like (laughs) just a bunch of couples that are very attractive throw them on an island and Mm -hmm. see who fucks each other (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. 
That's exactly what it is. But we're still in the pretty early days of reality TV. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were just adapting something that was like a Dutch show, I think. But it's the same thing where it's like, what if it were Survivor, but they fucked? <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I remember having great. to describe that the first five seasons of the, the real world, if anybody fucks, the producer's like, let's give them their privacy and not talk about this. And then the, 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 the next 20 seasons were like, let's show this in as graphic detail as we can. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and there's, there was something controversial in the first season. I cannot remember what it was. Doing a Google glance, something that gave it more controversy than it had just by the concept of like, no, no, people will fuck here. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like Big Brother wasn't doing that as well. But moving on to Saturday Night Live this week, hosted by Charlie Sheen, uh, or Estevez, and uh, Nelly Furtado. And it features this sketch. I don't know what this is. So I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm it's I'm, pretty indelible. Like when I was doing research, I was like, oh my God, this sketch has stuck in my brain for a <laughs> long time. It makes me think oh. about every time I see Denver omelets on a. A menu, I think about this. Okay. Jeez Louise, that was rough. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. You really did me a solid. What the hell is that? Well, congratulations, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Phillips. You're the proud parents uh, of a brand new, healthy 37-year-old man. <laughs> How do, folks? Name's Ted Brogan. Ted Brogan? We were going to name you Michael. Yeah? Well, it's Ted Brogan. <laughs> man, is that me? I am ripe. Jeez. Any of you guys got a clean shirt, maybe a necktie? I feel like an idiot over here. Doctor, who is this man? Mommy, it's me, Teddy, Gaga, etc. Mrs. Phillips, let me see if I can explain. Uh, You gave birth to what we call in the medical profession a do. (laughs) Wah! Wah! I'm hungry. Wah! Wah! What do you you want? Well, Denver omelet sounds mighty fine. There are fewer funny images than him emerging from Rachel Dratch's leg, and it's just a full-grown Will Ferrell drenched in slime being given birth to uh, as Ted Brogan, the 37-year-old newborn. Um, Y'all remember this guy? I do, I do. I didn't remember the name. I didn't remember because okay. him. I, uh, he comes out of between her legs like Jaws, dripping. <laughs> <laughs> like it, 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 it looks great. It's just, and it's just Will Ferrell doing his, like, kind of it's just ron burgundy it's just ron burgundy yeah it's just ron burgundy and there's something that is so specific about a man ordering a denver omelet that is like (laughs) such a specific character detail that this man like drinks a lot and smokes a lot like i don't know it just the denver omelet feels like a hangover foods in a way you know (laughs) every time every time i see it i'm like you could be could have made an interesting omelet. Instead, we do this one. My girl always order it. Uh, I have a dinner omelet, no, uh, no ham. I'm like, just order something else. You're costing us more. Um, well, a dinner omelet. What is it? Ham yes. and like green peppers. Yeah, and, and cheese. Right. Mm-hmm. And cheese. Yeah. yeah. Order something else. Why would you take the ham off? You're costing me money. We haven't been to brunch yeah, in a year. You just want a pepper uh, omelet, then. Yeah, yeah. You want a pepper and cheese omelet. Yeah, veggie omelet, which, by the way, comes with another ingredient almost everywhere. Three. It's the magic number of ingredients in an omelet. Otherwise, it's just a quiche. (laughs) Uh -uh. (laughs) I miss brunch food so fucking much. (laughs) It's been like a year. I I have to do the show now. I'm sorry. And now I have to talk about Mega Man 64, which came out this week, which is a horrible name for Mega Man Legends on the 64. Um, but that's what it is, and it's a decently optimized version of that. And that about wraps up. To, we'll talk about 
that and many more games on uh, patreon.com slash laser time with the Vinci Game Apocalypse Boys, please consider donating to your favorite podcast. Five bucks, that's all we ask for. We'll give you a bunch of free stuff in return. Free with a big asterisk. Let's head, head out with uh, Pinch Me by Bare, Bare Naked Ladies. I think they're weirdo follow-up to one week. Is is that what this is? I, yep. I think it was pretty jarring this for people like, hey, that guy who did all the one week stuff, he's not the lead singer. That's a guitarist. And yeah. I, I remember seeing in the video and like... he can trick you into saying underwear. Yeah. Yes. 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 Right. <laughs> yeah. My least favorite lyric from this song. I'm like, okay. That's pretty clever. <laughs> it's pretty clever. <laughs> You're just mad that you said underwear. <laughs> Full of rage. Full of rage. It, it, I swear <laughs> to God, I heard that song 10 years later and it like, wait, what? Under... He did it again. He did it again. <laughs> Ten years later. Brilliant. Um, and we'll close out with Pinch Me by Bare Naked Ladies, and we'll be back with 2011. I can talk about one of my favorite things of the entire decade right after this. It's like you dream you try to remember, but it's gone. Then you try to scream, but it only comes out as a When you try to see the one beyond your front door. Take your time, the way I'm gonna make you smile When you realize that the guy might take a while Just to try to figure out what all this is for Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of January 8th through 14th, two very different recommendations, as I like to do. Uh, let's start with cult movie that is turning 50 years old, and that's A New Leaf, written, directed, and starring Elaine May uh, with Walter Matthau. Uh, Elaine May is someone I find deeply fascinating because she started out in a comedy duo with Mike Nichols, and then Mike Nichols becomes... Mr. Fancy Pants director of freaking everything. I mean, right off the bat with the Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and The Graduate and then all the way through to like Working Girl and Primary Colors and all of these, you know, he, he's fucking amazing. But she doesn't get the attention that she probably deserves. And she, she's been mostly quiet. She's a hangback kind of person. She only directed three movies, I think, or four. Uh, the last one being Ishtar, which is not good, but it does have some good parts to it. And you can tell, uh, I think it's from her writing. But A New Leaf stars Walter Matthau as this, like, drunk, rich dude playboy kind of guy who, like, has to go get married. And so he ends up with Elaine May, who's, like, a botanist, I think. And it's just, her comedy is very, it has a lot of heart, but it's also, like, raw sarcasm all the time. Like, The Heartbreak Kid is probably the movie she's best known for as a writer-director. Or no, as a director. But she was also, I mean, a big script doctor. You've seen a bunch of stuff that she worked on. Tootsie and Labyrinth, she rewrote both of those. Uh, obviously, The Birdcage, when she came back to routine with Mike Nichols. Everybody freaking loves The Birdcage, right? So why don't you give uh, her writing, dir- directing, feature film debut a try, A New Leaf, from 1971, turning 50 years old this week. And then, just uh, very differently, it's also the 40th anniversary of Scanners. And fucking Scanners is so fucking cool. <laughs> I mean, I just, they blew up real good. This, what else? This is from 1981. And it's about people who can use telekinetic powers to blow people's heads up. And you've seen the GIF. Why not see the whole movie? Because it's a lot of fun. And that's it for this week. Stay classic.
Coming in with Bruno Mars Grenade. It's number one this week because we are in a completely different decade. We've jumped ahead 10 years to 2011, which I didn't even fault in saying. Uh, January 8th through the 14th. We do have some new music releases for this week. Valhalla Dance Hall by British Sea Power, a band I haven't thought of in a decade. Uh, hmm. <laughs> thank you. Happy, yeah, thank you. Happy birthday by Cage the Elephant. Showroom of Compassion by Cake, uh, self-titled by Edith Brickell, uh, just ahead of an album by her and the Gadabouts in three weeks, and uh, Setbacks by Schoolboy Q. A mm. um, little bit of news to bring you into the wonderful world of 2011. Oh, boy. Uh, Arab Springtime. Tunisian government is overthrown as a wave of protests arise in Oman, Yemen, Egypt, Syria, and Morocco. Yeah. That's the overseas news. Uh, let me run you through the American news. Yeah, um, uh, Arizona Representative Gabrielle Giffords is shot in the head during a town hall meeting in a Safeway parking lot in Tucson. And I'm not going to mention the name of the idiot who shot her, but reading up on what exactly went down, uh, I have to give you the name of a true hero. Bill Badger. Bill Badger. Florida- right. Former Colonel Bill Badger is a 74-year-old retired Army colonel. Someone hits the shooter with a chair, and then this dude, Bill Badger, tackles him after he's been shot. So he is a fucking hero. Let's respect Mr. Badger. Mm -hmm. Colonel Badger. Uh, Anyway, besides shooting Gabrielle Giffords point blank in the head, six others are killed, including a judge and a nine-year-old girl. And the shooter is a 22-year-old with a history of untreated mental illness and anti-government paranoia. He pled guilty, and he will be in jail for the rest of his life. Mm. And then Gabrielle Giffords fucking recovered from being point point blank in the head, and now her husband is a senator. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. And not surprisingly, she campaigns against, like, everyone having guns now (laughs) that i think (laughs) this no this guy was so twitchy like he got his gun legally but he went to walmart to buy ammo and even the ammo guy at walmart was like you're too twitchy i don't want to sell this to you (laughs) Mm, mm. yeah no meanwhile uh, my local walmart now has pink guns so ladies can be crazy too <laughs> is uh, it for breast cancer? I, I don't know, but I've never seen pink guns. Like, I was just here to look and see if they had the Outrun Arcade cabinet. Um, oh, man. Why are there pink firearms here? What's going on? I thought you guys were scaling this down. Anyway, anyway, 2011, yeah, her, everyone. Her recovery is fucking amazing. Like, within a year, she does retire from the House of Representatives, but she's at the State of the Union, I think, for 2012 when she gets a standing ovation. Like, she's recovered very well, considering what happened to her. Mm. It's pretty fucking inspiring yeah yeah 2011 movies uh ongbok ongbok three man i i was so in love with ongbok one but just because it was this scrappy movie made by giant kung kung fu tony ja is that who we're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. uh it was supposed to be marketed as the next jackie chan and and, and yeah yeah I'll, that's a totally worthy thing to say like just a full fucking practical stunt based film but really made the same movie over and over again. And whereas uh, Jackie Chan sort of like, man, these one-shot stunts speak for themselves. They would replay these moments of the stunts over and (laughs) over and over again. Like, yeah, we just saw Jackie fly through the ladder and he keeps fighting and they didn't show it 20 times. Um, Anyway, not to shit on Ong. Uh, This is not The Incredibles. I'm going to try and read this. Incendies? No, Encendies. Encendies. Well, it's French-Canadian. Mm. Uh, it's a French-Canadian film 
by a little filmmaker called Denis Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. And it's his last ah. French movie oh, because shit. then he comes to the other part of North America and makes, you know, prisoners and Blade Runner Sicario and Blade Runner 2049 yeah. and Dune mm-hmm. whenever we get it. And is oh seriously God. one one of the best working living filmmakers. Yeah. But Ensendies is about this family finds uh, their mom dies and that the, she has some like unresolved issues back in the old country, which they never say where it is, but it, it could be Lebanon during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And that they like dig into her past in the Middle East and stuff. So it's kind of a weird bookend to not without my daughter. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and it's another one. Like I was having trouble finding it with English subtitles. It's like, what the fuck? It's a Canadian movie, oh. but uh, I, it seriously, I think has like a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like wow. this, this is the movie of the week. And I feel like a dick that I did not watch it because I love Villeneuve so much. Definitely. Cause like everything else, uh, the biggest stuff here is all famous for the wrong reasons. Uh, the heart specialist is not one I know about, but look at nephew. Tom- is that a real name? Nephew Tommy Star- yep. starring nephew Tommy. I'm sensing nepotism. Marla Gibbs, <laughs> uh, Terrence J, Jennifer Lewis, Ed Asner, uh, Leon jazz, Jasmine guy, method man, Maya, Brian white, Zoe Saldana and uh, Wood Harris, the heart specialist. It's a comedy about a doctor. It sat on a uh, shelf for almost five years. And it's like, Jesus. all of these people couldn't get this movie out. Yeah. This is a ridiculously packed fuck? with talent movie. Did, and all the reviews, there aren't even that many reviews. And they're like, it's fine. Why was anybody Weird. so confident Ed Asner would still be alive today? That's just, I, I don't, I don't understand. Which he don't, is. Don't curse <laughs> him, I'm not man. trying to curse it. But Knock it on wood. If it it should have happened 15 years ago. It's not going to happen now. He's going to Betty White the whole world. This movie, nobody saw but was mm-hmm. so famous for its trailer. And do we have, have, have is this moment in the trailer? This is. Oh, I don't think it is. We have a, a revised trailer. Yes. A, a, a revised trailer for The Dilemma. Queen Latifah, Channing Tatum, Winona Ryder, Je- Jennifer Connelly, Kevin James, and Vince Vaughn. They're the perfect team. <laughs> Best friends. Oh, don't ever let me go. Nothing can come between them. Awesome. Or could it? I just saw my best friend's wife with another man. Vince Vaughn. Kevin James. What's going on with you? I'm trying to fix it. Ronnie, you're breaking more stuff. You killed my fish. I can't put a price on that because that's a, that's a friend. Although you can't pet it. The Dilemma. <laughs> it's so weird to see this. It's a Ron Howard movie. Why? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why? Like, the dude can Why? direct Star Wars and Willow and chose to direct this. I'll say it's one of the first times I feel like I remember, if not the term exactly... Toxic masculinity thrown into the equation because the original trailer, Vince McMahon says, uh, <laughs> Vince the, McMahon, that'd be pretty sorry, funny. no, Vince, Vince <laughs> Vaughn, that's so gay. Um, <laughs> uh, no, he, he, he calls something gay in the trailer, and, and the whole world spoke up online. Who, by the way, people with no intention of seeing the movie but saw the trailer and, like, why would a main character in a movie we're supposed to like call? use the word gay inappropriately and i was yeah he's not saying that it is gay he's using gay equals bad yes in in the trailer in the trailer and and everyone and i was weird to look up like ron howard's like i'm not changing the movie you can have a new trailer but i will not take it out of the movie and i guess okay like maybe there that thematically fits but like to me this put a stink on the whole fucking film like the idea yeah why double down on that? Right. Aren't you marketing this so the most people will see it? If it, Yeah, Twitter can be annoying, but if they're telling you, like, this is stupid and makes me not want to see your movie, maybe change it. <laughs> and and mm. it, it, it is very bro-y, um, as far as I've read, because I have no interest in seeing it. Still don't, because, like, 
this is sort of where I remember those conversations starting to pop up. I do not mean to sound pejorative, but where like this this social justice warrior movement in, in 20, 2011 right now reviling yeah. to that to that we're term. S- we're seeing cancel culture sure. start. Or if, yeah, when people are just all telling you that's really dumb and offensive. Yeah. Why why would you, you know, yeah. I did not mean what, it to be pejorative. I'm saying are uh, you uh, are a, you a 13-year-old yeah. that you call something you know, something that is dumb or stupid or lame, even lame is a yeah, word in, probably in, shouldn't in a, use, but in a democracy, lame. in a democracy, a, a wide swath of the public told you like this, this isn't funny and we don't mm-hmm. want to see a movie that th- th- this is how you're promoting it. And the reaction at the time was like, yeah, you sensitive bitches. Meanwhile, I think this is the first time anyone's talked about the dilemma in 10 years. Yeah, I yeah. never I don't think I even never heard of it, honestly. Yeah. Like, it just did not get on my radar. I got it from the library to watch it for the show and then didn't even get to it, that. It so. meets my rule of comedies with white backgrounds and red fonts. Like, just don't watch those, no matter what they yeah. are. From from yeah. meet the parents, why him to the dilemma. It's just not necessary. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I didn't bother watch it either. But if Winona Ryder wants to trade Kevin James for Channing Tatum, I yeah. endorse that. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Sure. I'm just happy Winona Ryder gets to just make out with Channing Tatum in a movie and nothing bad happens. All right, calm down. I just watched <laughs> I, I just watched The Hateful Eight and it's one of my favorite things ever that happens to Channing Tatum. <laughs> it's so fucking fun. <laughs> a big smile on his face before it explodes. Um yeah. I have watched this movie. I didn't rewatch this movie because this movie fascinates me. We are on the verge of superhero being the dominant genre in film, and this is a weird one. A, a, a comic, I believe, resurrected and written by Kevin Smith. Um, hmm. It exists outside the Marvel DC confines. And sorry, Ke- Kevin Smith was writing this at the time. And like the Green Hornet is mostly famous as a 60s TV show, a companion piece to Batman or how Bruce Lee became famous. You might have seen it. And uh, speaking of Tarantino and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they are on the set of the Green Hornet in that film. But this is the movie version. Tom Wilkinson, David Harbour. This, look at this cast. Edward James almost Cameron Diaz, Christoph Waltz, Jay Chow, Seth Rogen, the Green Hornet. The city needs our help. What do you say we get some justice, huh? We'll need a car. Whoa! With some weapons. Cool rims, spinning rims, ejector seats. Do you work for Mr. Reed? I'm his executive associate. Wow. I am the Green Hornet. You will be called the Blue Wombat. Oh! Yeah, the Green Hornet. This movie's not good, but it's also inter- <laughs> it's Michelle Gondry for yeah. fuck's sake. That is the weirdest thing about it, that. Yeah. It is directed by Michelle Gondry after Be Kind Rewind, Science of Sleep, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like. Why? How did they? How and why? Yeah, like how it, and why? It's just totally against his type, but it, it's still interesting. That's all I can tell you yeah. about it. It's not anything I, I I'm like dying to see again. Again, in terms of the internet, did you not remember that? Did you read that viral story that came out of this? Like a, a a guy a guy said like Yeah, I was staying at this Las Vegas, Las Vegas hotel. I don't remember exactly where he was, and I just walk out, and it's like it looks like this huge party going on, and then um. And then I see like a crane come down with a camera on it and like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just stuck here. And he's like, no, and nobody noticed that I had walked onto a film set except Seth Rogen. And he keeps like, dude, you should ask for money. Like you're, you're in a lot of this movie now. <laughs> and like a, a guy made a viral post, but accidentally walking onto the set of green Hornet and is like sort of not allowed to leave and just ends up in the movie. 
<laughs> and, uh, only Seth Rogen seems to, to give a shit and is just laughing about it. I don't have a lot of kind yeah. things to say about the film. Did anybody end up seeing any piece of this? I, I watched it. Yeah. yeah, I watched I believe yeah. it's on HBO right now. Mm. So it's, it's easy to watch. Um, I mean, mostly what I remembered was watching Mythbusters, them testing. It. Can you drive half a car if you get front wheel drive and like a gas tank up front? And it turns out, yeah. I guess. <laughs> okay. That's an interesting thing to know. Yeah. I mean, I remember I've seen the TV show a little bit and it's fun. And then watch this movie and I was like, I can't say it's good, but mm-hmm. it is visually sometimes really interesting. Yeah. Yes. The only problem is like you're how much you like Seth Rogen might be put to the test because I love <laughs> Seth Rogen, but he and usually he plays, you know, a dumbass, but mm-hmm. here he's also kind of an asshole. Yeah. So you yeah. might just be waiting for Jay Chu to beat the shit out of him. And then when that does happen, you're very happy. Yeah. If and this, everything works out. I think <laughs> if, if, if this was a character anybody cared about, the casting of Seth Rogen would have had everyone up in arms. But like mm-hmm. the only people who care about this, even at this point, are in their 60s and didn't yep. give a shit. It wasn't very well. Po- hmm. I think this also suffered because didn't the Green Lantern come out like very close to this? Like, that, maybe... I believe we have it coming up. Coming yeah. up. Yeah. It is definitely. So I think that definitely caused some confusion for some people. Not with okay, certain people me. push his glasses up. <laughs> so uh, but yeah, I saw it when it came out and I do kind of remember people not liking it and I didn't really understand what the problem was. Like to me, it, it looked cool and it had likable, interesting characters and an interesting story that was different from, you know, a lot of the other superhero genre films that we had seen around the same time. So I, I, I think it's fine. I think it's totally a, a fine action-y superhero movie. Yeah, yeah that's a good point in mm-hmm. that it is different from other superhero yes. movies. And then mm-hmm. he kind of decides being a superhero would be fun. We should go do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's Cato that really does everything. And yes. he just comes up with ideas that are usually shot down and replaced with better ideas. Right. And, and he's really rich, right? Like he's yeah, finding he's really rich. This like joy, basically joyride of crime fighting, basically. Yeah. yeah, which is kind of like a fun comment on like Batman. It's like, why does yeah. Batman get to just run around beating up people? Right. Because because he's rich because he has the money to do it and get away fast enough. And like you, you expect Christoph Waltz because he's Christoph Waltz to be like the big bad through the whole movie. He pops up once or twice. He's actually pretty funny, and then he disappears. Like he's not really what the movie's about. I think that's why I ended up liking it. It it is, for lack of a better analog, it is the Adam West Batman movie. Like, it's in tone and spirit. Mm, Somewhat. Well, just just a lo-fi superhero with no powers. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, like, super rich. And so, and it's, like, friendship, which Mm -hmm. you know of. And also... You don't have to have a sad origin story. No, nope. you just be rich and want to fight crime and have fun. Yeah, you can be an asshole without <laughs> your parents dying. I've seen it. Um, yeah, and I mean, some of the, the action scenes are very stylish uh, in a Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes kind of way. Mm. They, they have a little bit of that, like the slow mo type stuff, but not as dragged out and annoying. And, and yeah, and it just yeah, because it's Michelle Gondry. Just every now and then, there'll just be something visually that is just like, okay, I'm never seeing that in a superhero right. movie again. Right. Yep. And, and so, I think it's his most mainstream movie to date. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle Gondry. So it's again, if you're a film fan, it's worth tracking down. And I'm sorry, I, I couldn't get to it this week because I feel like this is one of those things that's like this is worthy of a reevaluation because I think, I vi- think so. visually it, yeah. it brought something pretty interesting to whatever the superhero genre would become in a couple years which is visually uninteresting (laughs) yeah Uh, it's 
it's different. Like it, mm-hmm. it ends up being watchable just because it's kind of different. Yeah. 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 So yeah, not great, but at least it's something different. So yeah, yeah so I kind mean, of a light recommend almost. Just if like, only yeah. because it's a superhero movie that exists. Did you say outside of the DC and Marvel universes? Yeah, but it, in in the and minds yeah. of old people at studios, Green Hornet was probably higher than Green Lantern because they're idiots and don't read comics. But just because it had a big '60s TV show, and I'm, if you know the that anecdote, like it was very popular overseas in Asian cultures because Bruce Lee, it's like Bruce Lee's first joint. It's what people sought out when they couldn't see Bruce Lee's movies on television. This was still going on um, as Kato um, again. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, very good. Not very good. I looked through a little bit of this in 2011. The 8th through the uh, 14th in television, Jim Carrey hosts SNL for, I think, the second second time, in a, like at least after a long break. Yeah. And, um, and the only thing I can guess he's promoting is uh, I Love You, Philip Morris. But he doesn't mention it in the monologue. He doesn't mention it in the monologue. Um, yeah. and, and with a musical guest, The Black Keys. This is how far Ooh. we've gone. Uh, yeah. And, and it, I didn't see anything super memorable, even though it made me hearken back to a time where the, the host was in everything. And he, Jim Carrey is even in the weekend update sketches. But it doesn't have a something I recognize as a true classic, but a bunch of it's on NBC.com. Uh, also... On network television, The Cape debuts. <laughs> Not to be confused with a, a better comic book called The Cape. Cape better remembered for its association than its the actual show, I think. Oh, like several things we've talked about in this episode. I love this theme. Yeah, for fans. It's a special cape. Cape for justice. What are you doing? There's rioting in Tunisia. The Cape is premiering. Humanity is premiering, you jag. <laughs> That's right. Abed is obsessed with The Cape. Yeah. Abed is obsessed with the cape, which ran ten whole episodes, not six seasons in a movie. That's where that phrase comes from. Well, with Cougar Town, um, oh. yeah, they, uh, and and you said it with Cougar Town first. I think so. I yes, it, it could have been know, Cape. Whatever. And uh, a, a show I find really annoying and incredibly interesting, but my girl is super into it. Debuts this week. Shameless debuts, and I think will go down in history as one of the more fascinating shows. It features. Its star is one of the most unlikable people you've ever met, and it is the only sh- it is the only scripted show I can think of right now that it's its last season is happening right now as we speak, and it's mm. f- both filming during the pandemic and it is set during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And Chris uh, doing that too, right? We, yeah, but but the, the, yes. the main character Frank is this drunk, terrible parent, and in the new season is like an anti-masker, drunk, terrible parent. And it's just like, well, that's consistent. Oh, we have to say this is Shameless, shameless. U.S. The, uh, sorry, the Shameless U.S. Which, uh, right, geez, Shameless I, U.K. started in 2004, but also ran like like ten, seasons. like all, like wow. nine seasons, and this Shameless ran mm. eleven. And to me, it's one of the more bizarre shows I've ever. T- I don't like a lot of Showtime shows. This is one of the better ones, but it's still ridiculous. <laughs> it it is an hour long comedy, so it's Oof. but it's all on Netflix. If that's your your beat go ahead watch it it's incredible to the show stars like six uh, a family of six or seven children who literally grow up for a decade in front of you that is kind of fascinating to where like the the older girl quits and then eventually like the girl who is six when the show starts becomes the main matriarch character it's very very weird but shameless makes its debut this week um it is a fascinating show adapted from an english show i don't set in chicago though so if you like if you liked uh bill swarski you're gonna love this but speaking of things (laughs) uh my girlfriend loves uh the pandemic has been very kind to bob's burgers for me and it is 10 years old this week 
and uh, my girl is a huge fan. I was a huge fan of the show from the beginning. Brought to us by Loren Bouchard, I believe someone who worked, if not on Dr. Katz, on Home Movies, uh, a co-creator on Home Movies with Brendan Small, and then brings that vibe with no squiggle vision over to a network budget and is just utterly charming and I don't have a great sell for it because I don't know why it's good. I have, I have one reason. I have one reason I think it's I, I know why it's good. Okay. There's an understated writing to it, not unlike King of the Hill, but I think it's also they cast really well. And by that, I mean like mostly only comedians and a lot of improvisers. And you can, I don't imagine most people, especially right now, are recording in the same room, but you can hear improv in the show. And, and I don't, other than like Rick and Morty having two episodes dedicated to improving and being deliberately terrible, this is improv, like this enhances the show. It's really good. Bob's, and has one of the, I think the best ensemble cast in animation with John yeah. Benjamin, John Roberts as Linda, Dan Mintz as Tina, Kristen Shaw as Louise and Eugene Merman as uh, Gene. And I do, because both Gene and Louise primarily yell constantly. I yes. love... <laughs> yeah. I told I you. Love... <laughs> I love Eugene Merman so much. I'm so happy. Like he's one of those people that I'm like, I'm so happy he has a job. Like I just think he's like so great. And I really just love everything that he does. And yeah, Bob's Burgers is just a little slice of happiness basically every week. And I've I've actually kind of fallen off of watching it. Um it's so I, but I watch it. I fall I fell off because there's so much of it. This seems like so much of it, not yeah. unlike home movies. I would have loved this for three seasons and lamented the fucking executives who canceled this. This is not canceled. It just keeps going. There's a movie that's yep. supposed to come out in three months that no one's seen yep. anything of uh, for mm. Bob's Burgers. But and by the way, it's a little late now. It's one of the only shows that like goes out of its way to make a good Christmas episode every year. Yeah. And oh, always has. Christmas and Thanksgiving. And, and Halloween. Yes. And Halloween. Yes. Yeah, they do one every, every, every year. time. Every yeah, I, uh, the Thanksgivings I think are my favorite, just because of Bob's Bob's love <laughs> of Thanksgiving and talking to the turkey and yes. getting really drunk with the turkey and yep. imagining he's on a oh my, my neighbor God. Totoro adventure with the turkey. Oh, so good! This is weird, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's also it's got a you know a deep bench of other characters. It's like I think it's the only place we get to hear Kevin Klein anymore. Right, Mister Fish Odor. I love I love Kevin Klein yeah. and Zach Galifianakis's brother shows up sometimes. Yes. and. They do like a song every fucking episode. I don't know how they do that. that but yeah. Yeah. And I'm so I'm so glad it's it's added to the, the adult swim lineup that you right. can see like an hour or two of Bob's burgers every night. I think that's helped keep the show alive. No, I was I was looking at well, that, stumble into it again. A, a that was really weird. You in, in the old days, we were gonna talk about it with I was gonna talk about it with another show in syndication. Grounded for life. That had five seasons. It's an in syndication. It's being replayed on over the air somewhere. But Bob's burgers was shown in Adult Swim every week, usually the episode that aired the week before, mm-hmm. after two, three years. It's a weird deal that Adult Swim started with Family Guy, but that was, I won't get into it, but because Adult Swim started the rebirth of Family Guy and Fox just stole it. But, but now Bob's Burgers runs on like many channels. It's, I, I just don't, it's one of those things where like I'm getting all these Marvel movies and Bob's Burgers is never canceled. It just pro, 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 proliferates. It's a bizarre timeline that we live in as much as we complain yeah. about stuff. It may be too much of a good thing, honestly, because it's not, I don't think that it's getting worse in terms of quality. Yeah. 
No. I think it's staying great. Yeah, and I, no, I, even, I even a bad episode, I still feel like I'm just hanging out with buddies. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. and just nothing happened and that's fine. I will say though, I feel like the first couple episodes they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of things where it takes a couple episodes to really start to get into the groove. Mm-hmm. And Bob's Burgers is one of the only ones where I can point to the episode and like, there it is. Mm-hmm. The art crawl episode. <laughs> Oh, That's right. where everything clicks, and from now on, this show rules. I, I, about I, the, oh. We can talk about it in March, about the paintings with the cat butts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I, I know I have so many. I, it's one of the few shows I have from this era posted on Instagram. The Jenny Slate Tammy character's introduction was going to read <laughs> Tina's uh, erotic friend fiction diary, and they... <laughs> And she farts, and then Kristen Shaw just, oh my God, Tammy farted. Jean yells, oh my God, my ears can smell it. And then just Bob walks in like, hey, what's up? Whoa, that girl really farted. And, like, <laughs> like it's, and my girl and I have like a, a inside jokes that relate to this. And this is not to highlight the show. It's just something we do and say to one another. It's one of my favorite clips from the whole show. It's and it's a very rare cutaway flashback. Tina's issue with parrots. Like eyebrow man. Remember before his eyebrows grew out and he was just parrot man? I hate that parrot. Hi, parrot. Ah, alert! What? <laughs> so, if we're busy in the morning, someone will yell, Nerd alert! What? <laughs> and I, I find it I find it so odd in this we just getting through this uh casting people of color as the people of color they're playing in animation that Bob's Burgers main cast is primarily women primarily voiced by men and it seems mm-hmm. to get a pass but it does there is something sillier about it <laughs> uh, and, and, and John Roberts mother and uh, Linda and and Dan Mintz's I love Tina's like my favorite sh- character on the show <laughs> an incredibly horny awkward girl which is not something I've seen on a sh- I don't know you could do uh, huh the horse girl. Yeah. The horse. Yeah. yeah. She's she's horny, but she's also awkward and shy. Yeah. So it's all just kept to herself. I'm saying things about butts. It's it's something I don't know you could ever actually do in live action. <laughs> so I'm glad it exists in animation. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's hmm? Oh right, right. Sorry. Ah. Yeah, played by 20 year olds, but again, this is played by a 40 year old writer. So. <laughs> Uh, Dan Mintz, I believe, was n- he's not a voice actor. He was one of the writers that got thrust into the role as Tina because they thought it sounded funny, uh, and it does. <laughs> what? But Bob's Burgers is is t- I think it's it's one of the best things we have this decade. And I got I I remember I stopped watching it because I wa- we watched it every week, like everyone in my house in my friend circle, because we just assumed it was on the verge of cancellation. And after it became clear, like oh this. This had one of the most successful premieres of the season and is not going to get canceled <laughs> after five seasons and it stopped becoming as important and I tend to watch them when they hit mm-hmm. streaming services and much later on in giant uh, binges. But Bob's Burgers, man, mm, tip of the cap. So I also yeah. have to say that my favorite side character is the restaurant inspector who's still in love with Linda. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, it's Sam Cedar. Yeah. Play by our who? Our guy? Sam Cedar. Oh, no. Okay. I'm thinking of our other guy that is obsessed with Planet of the Apes. Dana Gould? Yeah. He's in it too, right? I think he is, but I think you're thinking yeah. the, uh, I forget his, I'm forgetting his name, but I know it's Sam Cedar. Okay. Uh, forever the adversary to Bob, giant forehead. Yeah. He, he looks like a grown up Beavis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love Bob's burgers. Uh. 
I gotta go with Laura and Sarah Silverman as Andy and Ollie. That is so. Oh. That is so <laughs> they great. are. It's. I mean, they're great voices and they are great characters and everything about them is like they are used just the right amount. Like if when you have an episode with a lot of them in it, you're like, get these freaks away from me. Yeah. <laughs> and they just drop in with a bunch of non sequiturs and then leave. You're like, ah, oh, god damn it, Andy and Ollie. And I, I hope yeah. it's. I hope it's a reality is the kids are so are, are always encouraging of one another. Even when you think you're entering a real bully and jock situation. I like that about it. I, when I look at the credits, I'm still like, this is still more female writers than I've ever seen in animation. So I think oh, yeah. improvisational comedians, it's difficult for me to give you an elevator pitch for why Bob's burgers is great, but like it has a different taste to anything else on mm-hmm. animated on television, but yep. you'll know the King taste. King of the Hill is a great comparison. Yeah, I hadn't so. even thought about that of like a show that is just constantly quality. It's very consistent. Mm-hmm. It's very not in your face. It's, it's just all around really damn good. Yes, but- and you don't appreciate it until you start thinking about it and you go, Holy shit. That show is amazing. Yeah, don't it's wait kind on to its characters. Yeah. Mm. Yes, always. And, and don't <laughs> and it I just last one, the most unflattering character in the history of entire television, Megan Mullally's Gale oh. is 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 so <laughs> gross and unlikable and like it's like this woman deserves to be hated. She's so irritating. It's one of my favorite characters on television. Yeah, oh, Bob. <laughs> my leg hurts. Can you drag me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I love this show so much. A show I like a little bit. I'm going to lean on the ladies here a little bit for. Is that what this had? Six seasons in a movie? Downtown Abbey. On a downtown Abbey. Um. <laughs> Downson Abbey is ten years old for real. Yeah, man. Realsies. And did that? When did that culminate in the movie? Was that just like two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, it was not that long ago. Maybe twenty nineteen. Okay, yeah, because yeah. it was definitely a Sarah solo bolo date that I took myself to, mm. um, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> did, they, did they wrap things up or was it like a weird prequel or like intercool or? No, it was like a Christmas special, basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also, too, because their Downton Abbey episodes are on PBS, mm-hmm. and it's a PBS hour, it just felt like I was watching an episode in a movie theater. Because, yeah. you know, it's only a little bit longer than a PBS hour. But, I mean, was it the, was the theater filled with women who looked like you sneaking in wine? Like, was it just a great yeah. time had by all? <laughs> yes! <laughs> 100%. <laughs> So that's a good I, thing. I want to say it was like, it was, I think, maybe the highest grossing film in Britain that year. Or wow. it was like ridiculous. Like, yeah. it was a monster hit over there. Because, I mean, the show was pretty popular over there, too, obviously. But, yeah. Um, so, Down Abbey is one. I, I don't know why I didn't watch it until, like, the second season. I went back mm-hmm. and binged and caught up. Because it's created by Julian Fellows, who wrote Gosford Park, Mm. which is a movie I really fucking love. Like, aggressively, I will punch you in the face. I love this movie so much. (laughs) And I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of that. And instead, like, it's not as political or socioeconomic and with issues of class. Like, obviously, there's a ton of issues of class here because it's about fancy people in their fancy house and all the servants that have to work there. And and class is going to be a major thing over time. But, I mean, mostly it's a soap opera. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of why I was bummed. Like, I'm, I'm bummed it ended when it did because I feel like it 
it was really getting good. Like for me, it was getting away from soap opera and getting into class issues so much more yeah. in like the last season, season and a half. That's what what I remember yeah. from watching it was just like, what if there's weird reality where white people were slaves? <laughs> and like that's, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Uh, it did, it did. Like, uh, but because we don't live in a, 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 we may think that we do, but we don't live as a, a class of society as England during that time. Like you're. Yeah, you're just born yeah. in a servitude. You're never going to get out. Serve yeah. these rich people. Just pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And there's just the, the idea of like traveling somewhere and not having a lady's maid come with you. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's ridiculous. Why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> and then, you know, the, the people that are, you know, part of the servant class, like some of them moving up into more middle class mm-hmm. and like how freaking hard it is. And it's like, I just want to open a tea shop. God. <laughs> Just, just open a fucking tea shop. Look, we're gonna open a tea shop. This is the show, but of course, it gives us tons and tons of Maggie Smith with the singers, and that's all you need. Yeah. God damn. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. On a downtown heavy. Um, and then on a much yeah. lesser <laughs> note, uh, Matt LeBlanc's episodes debut. Stay away from Showtime shows, people. Um, no, this is great. Is it fine? I have no idea what it's about. Did you watch this? No. I've never watched this, but I've heard a lot of people say that it looks dumber than it is. Yeah, it's, it's actually, actually pretty good. I, I really liked it quite a bit. I don't understand what people's beef is with it, but it's basically <laughs> it's a story of a British husband and wife comedy writing team who come to the United States to remake their successful British TV series wow. here in a, the States. Ah. seemed way more and, than I needed. I just heard Matt LeBlanc playing a version of himself. I'm like, I did not know that portion of it. Yeah, mm. and that's that's what the whole series is about. And then Matt LeBlanc is in it because he's like part of the show, mm-hmm. but he's playing Matt LeBlanc mm-hmm. playing himself and, and mm-hmm. he's, friends with them and yeah their lives are complicated and it's great it's really funny and and cute and just kind of under the radar i think yeah i i'd say give it a shot i think i watched it all on netflix a couple years ago yeah not Um, not even plugging my girl like shameless and we just subscribed for the month for 99 cents so i've enjoyed quite a few things there over the last couple weeks Um, yeah so we have access to them give it a shot it's kind it kind of surprised me because i think my parents might have watched some episodes and recommended it and i was like Mm. all right we'll see about this and i just found myself i kept going and kept going i kept going with the episodes because i don't know you just really like the characters a lot Hmm. well as someone who is a fan of a lot of british shows some of which have come to the u.s Mm -hmm. and failed horribly and some of which have succeeded oh i hope they reference cold feet and coupling (laughs) i have nowhere that's a big part of it about how hard it is to translate that sort of thing and how much expectation and pressure is put on these creators to basically recreate a success in a totally different culture Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i remember the first season the the office came with like a glossary so you know what everyone's talking about when they say blockbusters they're not talking about it's like no 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 not not the rental store it's a game show. A game show, that's what they're referring to. I mean, that's a pretty good guess mm-hmm. at all times. Like, what is this British person talking about? It's probably a game show. <laughs> it's most, mm-hmm. most of what the what BBC is. but like, It's a game show. It's a weird soap opera that's been running since 1932. Or it's rhyming <laughs> slang for a dick. Apropos of nothing, like, uh, I thought, it's just Downtown Abbey, remind, Downtown Abbey reminded me of how great, I was a huge fan of the original Office, thought it could never be replaced by any awful remake no matter who's starring in it 
even though the cast very much excited me. But the Christmas special for that is one of my favorite things I've ever seen in my life. And I didn't watch it this year because Comedy Central reran just Christmas episodes of The Office, which are also a fucking delight. Yeah, and it's like, so it, good. it's just like, the I don't, Moroccan office. I guess I don't have to yeah. pick a side anymore. The internet makes you think you have to weigh down really hard on everything. And like, yeah, I don't have to, I could just enjoy both of them. It feels good, man. It feels good. Yep. Come um, on. I, like, I love the British office, but it never did a Yankee swap. So it did not. It did not. that episode is amazing. Nor said the N word. <laughs> it is like the second <laughs> episode. Um, but uh, <laughs> episodes, that's the show we were talking about and have not seen. Video games of 2011 are a little more exciting. I can't wait to talk about this with Michael because hopefully he remembers Prinny 2, the sequel to Prinny, Can I Really Be the Hero? Um, these penguins from... Oh my God! I just this Gaia, yes, the scarf laden pennies. Uh, Pretty two dawn of Operation Panties colon dude because that's how the the penguins speak with D double O D dude, and they sent us all thong panties as swag um, <laughs> with the prinnies on them. And everyone was kind of unnerved by it. Uh, DC Universe Online is out this week for Windows and PS3, back when Sony owned a company that co-published things on PS3 and PC. Kingdom Hearts Recoded, a (laughs) really weird game uh, that's updated for the States. It is based on a very early mobile game, redone for, I would say, Americans, with cutscenes and confusing dialogue. And I don't know if you played this, Diana, Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective, a really, really great game. In the vein of uh, Ace Attorney, has a crossover character, right. Missile the Pomeranian. <laughs> I think I wanted to, and then I forgot about it. It's but di- I love those kinds of games so much, it's, so I should Ghost see Trick if I can play it. Is amazing. It's one of the best games I would recommend to people who do not play games. It is about a ghost who has to figure out things by possessing things in an environment. It is not based on Twitch stuff. It's very story based, and the ending has made numerous people I know cry. Aww. And it, it's very, very good from Capcom. Uh, used to be on iOS. I do not believe it is anymore. If you can find a copy on the DS, pick it up immediately. It will be worth money someday, I assure you. And that about wraps up the show, man. Got to th- thank people like Cody Smith and our, our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time for supporting 302010 and the entire laser time network we really appreciate you guys five bucks all we ask we'll give you a ton of extra stuff but there's other options there if you can afford more or less but we five dollars is a sweet spot I, I my netflix bill just got upgraded it's nice to say yeah we're a, almost a quarter of the value of netflix but just a lot <laughs> a lot of stuff especially if you have a commute and you like listening to people talk about stuff you like in your ear Tell a friend about the show. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenerNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast at 302010podcast. And, oh gosh, what should I plug for next week? How about we eat a whole bunch of chocolate with Johnny Depp, and he's got an Irish accent, <laughs> and also Mel Gibson does Shakespeare. Yeah, and then I uh, the Johnny Depp part of that sentence. One of my dad's Not favorite books turned into a movie he forced me to see on opening weekend. Stay tuned, people, because we're gonna tell you who who died and lived through this period. These it's always a fascinating portion of the show. I worry people jump out on if I don't plug it because yeah, people live and die during these periods, and just as important as when things came out, we also remember how we mourn for people. I know we've lost a lot of people close to us this year, but that the same way a release of a movie can remind you of where and when you were. So can the passing of people. Yeah, we we have one that this is like a crazy coincidence. Mm-hmm. But uh, in 2011, we lost Peter Yates. He was 81. He directed two movies that y'all need to see, Bullet and Breaking Away. Hell yeah. Along with The Dresser and Krull and a bunch of other stuff. But those two. Breaking Away is the best movie watch. you've never seen. It is phenomenal. Yep. 
It's outstanding. And then in 1991, we lost actor Key Luke, who is 86. Mm-hmm. Now, get this. Okay. Now, most people, they remember he's uh, the old Chinese guy in Gremlins. Yeah. And he's an Alice that we just talked about a couple weeks ago. But he was also the number one son in a bunch of Charlie Chan films. He was the original voice oh. of Brack on Space Ghost. What? And he was the first Kato in Green Hornet film serials. Holy what? Shit. What? Holy shit. Okay. God, I love Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love Gremlins. Hey, and we got a commentary for that and many other things at patreon.com slash laser time. Listen with your old buddies. R.I.P. Key Luke and Peter Yates. Again, breaking. I was just reading an interview with Paul Dooley. He's like, yeah, that movie changed my life. And anytime anybody needed a confused Midwestern dad, I just immediately got the role forever. And like, <laughs> breaking away is so great. I still see awesome. bikers on the road and I throw them out my hands to tell them how fast I'm going. And uh, with that, we are out of here. I uh, want to thank once again people like Cody birthday. Smith and our. Oh, birthday quiz. My bad. My, my, my birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, we have some birthday buddies, but I don't want to make them the quiz because I don't like either of them anymore. Oh. But I just want to point out that turning 70 on January 8th are both Kirstie Alley and Rush Limbaugh. Ew. Nice. They should marry one another. <laughs> they should. <laughs> they really should. Kirstie Alley. Mm-hmm. Oh. Kirstie Alley what is a, a talented person who's yes. made some terrible mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Rush Limbaugh is talented in his own way. I wish he used it for good instead of evil. Anyway, our actual birthday quiz, turning 60... Born January 13th, 1961 in New York City, her mother was a special needs tutor and her dad was a French billionaire. <laughs> it sounds like some, like a woman writing her own story. They divorced when she was four and then mom married the dean of the George Washington University Medical School. What the fuck? Mom can get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, then she attended Northwestern, but she dropped out to take a job in SNL where she met her husband of 34 years. Uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus. It is Julie Louis Dreyfus. Yes! Yes, one of the few people to get people don't hook up on that show and then stay together for very long. And I think Julie Weiss Dreyfus and Brad Hall are like the longest standing SNL couple. I believe so. She she joined it when she was twenty one. Wow. She is just a tenant baby. Uh, also, now she is the most honored performer in any history with 11 wins and 26 nominations mm-hmm. oh and God. received the Mark Twain Prize for Humor, which usually goes to stand-ups. Also, she beat breast cancer in the ass. Yeah. And, so... and her Amy Schumer last fuckable day. They were really wrong about that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry, I'm getting older, yeah, too. No, the, no, the Louis Dreyfuses are like old school French money going way the hell back. Yeah. The movies of hers that we've talked about, though, I did not realize she is in the original Troll. <laughs> uh, she's in Hannah and Her Sisters. I remember her from there. Uh, Soul Man, Deconstructing Harry, A Bug's Life, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Father's Day, New Adventures of Old Christine, and Seinfeld. Excuse me, Sarah's favorite character in Christmas Vacation. The only yes, one you related um, to, I believe. Yes, the only character I like and the only part of that movie that I Why like. won't they turn off these lights and just stop? Uh, that is Sarah's <laughs> favorite character in the Christmas movie. <laughs> I also talk about her in the laser time that we just recently recorded. Right. Uh, mm. One of her movies is on my top five list that is, from last ooh. year. It's one. Yeah, I wish you were there, Di. That was one of the weirder movies I saw this year, marketed in completely incorrectly. Terribly um, marketed. But yeah, you can hear more of that Laser Time. Maybe follow us on Facebook. We have a great Laser Time Facebook community if you want to join in with a bunch of like minded people whose job is not to argue and be mean all the time, uh, just share stuff semi related to the show and otherwise pop culture. It's great. 
Big shout out to the Late Stand Facebook community. Love you guys. That is about it for us. Maybe tell a friend about the show. Maybe join uh, patreon.com slash laser time. Maybe listen to another show we do, like Video Game Apocalypse, or on our Patreon, Sick of Star Wars bonus time, or an extended version of the video game segment of this show. We're going to go out with a Green Hornet theme, because it's rad. It is rad. Mm-hmm. There's just, you know, it's like Tom Jones. If I have an excuse, I'm playing the Green Hornet theme, because it's just amazing. Let us do that. <laughs> it's far out. We'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, and enjoy your stuff. Peace. Peace. <laughs>